time news blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons, jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perrette. And I'm Brad Binkley. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Truth or Theory podcast. Your hosts, JP and E. Willie. Alright guys, we're back for a special episode. This is Truth or Theories episode number 40. And it's also a swap cast with your favorite podcast, The Propaganda Report, with Monica Perez and Brad Brinkley. We got JP, Monica, and Brad all in the house. This is going to be a fun episode mm-hmm. right on i'm super excited so I'm, this is for us it's not a numbered thing we have this is a we have a daily show which is the drive time news blast but this is a propaganda report proper swap cast that's where we do our deep dives we get into whatever usually binkley will dig deep and stuff that people don't find but this time i think we're probably going to cover a lot of bases yeah we're going to go all over i think huh perfect it's gonna be fun. So, Brad, we haven't had you on. We had Monica on in the past. Um, how are you doing, man? It's good to meet you finally. Been nice to meet you guys. I love your setup there. I like the the, the see some dinosaurs and action figures back there. I imagine <laughs> if I had a studio, it might have some similar components to it. That's actually on my list of things to talk about in this show. Oh, yeah. okay. What Interesting. Do you mean? The like, stuff I, behind you. Okay. I kind of want a tour oh, of your you tour. memorabilia. You're the the pyramid in the back. That looks like it might could be an advertisement for that show, The Mask Singer, which is the oh. creepiest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> what uh, this one? Can you see that? No, right there in the middle of y'all's truth or theory. That looks like one of the heads oh, along the, the triangle that one of the singers might wear. The rabbit yeah. in the hole. Yeah. 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 That's, that's so oh, weird. that's a rabbit in the hole. I okay, think so. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a mixture of different uh, symbols and stuff that kind of get you thinking and thought provoking. And my wife and I designed that logo. It's cool looking this year. It's got oh, and behind head. it is the Illuminati triangle. Yeah, yeah we got the we third eye on his forehead. In our last in the triangle. Yeah. In our last propaganda report, which is coming out soon. We realized that rabbit holing is now not only a verb, but a pejorative. Mm-hmm. So people said, you don't, don't want to go rabbit holing with people who want to talk about facts. You just want to <laughs> get your message across. Like, oh, we're, we're rabbit holers. <laughs> yeah, it was an activist training. I pulled the audio from an activist training, and it was in the context of they were telling the trainees, this is how you handle people who come with these objections to what is essentially a Marxist intersectional identity politics ideology. And the explanation was when they counter something that you say, don't focus on their argument or the details of their argument. It's, I mean, yeah, we care about it. 
maybe, but that's just in the weeds and in the, in the rabbit holing of it. Make sure you stay connected to the big picture and connected to your ideology. So it's just it like ignore what they say. It wasn't even the ideology they were objecting to. It was if somebody objects to rioting. Yeah, that's what the, looting. Yeah. That's what it was. Wow. Anyway, but we're already off track. Yes. <laughs> there is no track on this episode. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> the okay I'm, going still free enjoying the the, I'm still enjoying the logo. Yeah, our uh, our truth or theory podcast slogan is are you ready to enter the rabbit hole? So that's kind of our little All thing. Right. I am. Well you you found the right people. That's very alluring too, because it's got a the the colors of it. It's almost like it's shining, like it could be like it could be on y'all's chest as some sort of Iron Man, like, uh, uh, yeah, they're like, it's on your chest right now. <laughs> Drawing me in. Oh my gosh, I want merch. Yeah, we got we, merch. We're both wearing two different things. He's got the hat on, bring That's that cool. to the camera, and I'm wearing one of our sample shirts. Awesome. I love we're, it. We're trying to push stuff, man. Yeah, right. You should. You got I mean, it's got to be paid for. This is time. Mm-hmm. Time is money. So, someday. <laughs> yeah, JP's still working. I'm still a bummer now. I was laid off. Oh yeah, no, we're all oh. nobody's. No one's actually paying their bills. I don't think a couple of people, but not us. Just that's Joe a Rogan. real problem that's coming up too. Is that because some, <laughs> they're going to start evicting people again, and there's going to be lawsuits? I know some people talking to 60 Minutes in that boat right now, and I think that in the next month or so, that's probably going to be an emerging story. Is people, people getting kicked out of their homes wow. because they, they weren't able to get a job or they wanted to keep a job because job of the pandemic and renters are going to start evicting now. Oh, they're third worlding us for sure. Yeah. And a good tell of that is that we're getting banned from traveling like in Europe and stuff. They're literally mm-hmm. just making America a crappy place. But the fact that it's in their power to control it makes me kind of ashamed that I let it get this far. I kept worrying and worrying and trying to tell people for eight, nine years now, I've been trying to just talk about defending our rights and fighting and whatever, assert your the rights and the Bill of Rights. And now I realize I just hadn't realized before that really the only way I get, I think, maybe I'm wrong, but I think the only way is to actually live free, which means to unplug from this system and not be dependent on it. And that I think it's a little late, but you don't get the whole bells and whistles of materialism and consumerism when you do it that way. And that is what they're taking away from us, I think. Yeah, it's just, that's a scary thought. Uh, we actually just bought some chickens yesterday for egg laying. So the next step will be aquaponics. <laughs> yeah. We've been promoting chickens lately. <laughs> yeah, our sponsor mm-hmm. is a seed and feed guy who has a bunch of little chicks and, uh, and, and people have been emailing me like crazy since I've been talking about this stuff. And they say, I think basically you need one layer per person to have kind of a couple of eggs every day mm-hmm. each. Oh, that's cool. We have, that uh, right? yeah, that sounds about right. we got four hens right now that are all kind of young, uh, Plymouth Rock and uh, Buff Orbington. And we're going to get a couple more too. So we'll have probably six of them. You know, a family How of long? How old do they have to be before they lay? I think a year. I'm not positive. I, I, I'm so rusty on chicken raising. Uh, we Dude, had some rusty. several years ago. I'm from ago. Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> True. I have to tap into archetypes to figure out how to get an egg. I do with my Irish heritage did accidentally. I mean, this it must have been an archetype. I accidentally grew a bunch of potatoes the other day. I didn't mean to. And I see my dog eating potatoes potatoes, potatoes, potatoes. And I'm thinking, where'd you get potatoes? And I finally found just something in the back of my mind growing up with an Irish mother. When the potato starts growing eyes, I don't throw them away. I just 
bury them in the backyard. And I guess I buried one at some point, and now there's all these potatoes that look exactly like the Yukon Gold in the store. They look as generic as they could possibly be. Do you not remember burying it? (laughs) I I don't really remember burying. I've buried more than one. I'll just always just, even if it's in a flower bed, which is not a cool thing to do. What else have you buried? Yeah, let's let's check that backyard out. Well, yes, (laughs) I did find something that whatever I was worried about, and I was so tempted to bury it, but I just threw it away. The Alexa? stashed in a closet oh. no no something that had seeds in it and i just thought hmm if i yeah. bury this i wonder if a plant will grow and that's like mm. no 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 resist the urge to bury that particular thing because you are now in a rental property this skull but, looks like my ex-husband <laughs> so i uh anyway so yeah mint and potatoes those things just will grow on their own but the from what i understand people keep e- emailing me that Every once in a while, you got to hatch those eggs. And then if you get roosters, they're noisy and they can't lay. And you end up having, I think, to eat those. But I don't know if that's- You have to eat them? Well, you don't have to, but they would be the ones that you would kill and eat, I think. No? I think you can kill both and eat. Um, Because what we have is they're they're designed to be table birds, which is eating or uh, egg layers. And um, you- to have a rooster, you have to have a decent amount of property for them too, because they're they're really mean. They'll scare off predators. That's what we felt with our first batch of chickens. We had Japanese silkies that are black meat and black skin, very uh, fluffy looking. They have feathers on their feet and their head. They look like little Chewbacca's. <laughs> um, we had some of those, and we lived out in the country. We didn't have a rooster, and they all got smoked that nighttime by a coyote or something, a fox. I'm not sure. So the rooster wow. is what keeps them protected. Oh, really? That's why it's the, the mean one. It's got to yeah. do the dirty work. And it's exactly. noisy. They have the talons on their feet that can fend off predators. And um, we live in an HOA neighborhood, so we're not allowed to have a rooster for obvious reasons for, for the morning. But um, we're going to make right. do with our hens and have some eggs. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. That sounds like a cool sponsor. Uh, tell us more about it. So I'm sure your listeners know about it, but tell our listeners we can get yeah, you some more like- traction. It's called Neighbors Feed and Seed, and it's a locally owned shop in Smyrna, Georgia. And they contacted us because they listened to a lot of liberty-minded shows and appreciated some of the work that we did and knew had some friends that we also knew. And we got to talking to them and realized that uh, it kind of lines up well. And they, they, they have dog food. They have all kind of cool stuff. I'd never been to like a feed and seed type shop before. They're not great. like this one anyway. It's very homely and they're having a party for us. Yeah, they're letting us have a party yeah, there, like a live meetup, and, and it's uh, so, so we're doing cool. that this week. Yeah, and they do so, stuff online too. They do e-commerce too, and so it's kind of cool. And they give a discount to people to listen to us, so it's great. Awesome. That's neighbors feed and see it. He'll appreciate yeah. the shout out. I know, Dot but com. they're letting us have a play a thing at their place. So our a lot of our listeners are from Atlanta because that's where our radio show was. But in the past tense, but yeah. So we have a lot of listeners from there and they're going to meet up with us and we're going to have a little slightly pre 4th of July get together. It's like a pub where the founders used to meet, except, <laughs> except for it's full <laughs> of chickens <laughs> and really cool. um, seeds and it's going to be in dirt and there are going to be some mosquitoes. Okay. Do they uh, ship too? Do they ship? Supplies? They do. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. So anybody can get stuff from in the States. Mm-hmm. Then. Mm-hmm. Neighbors feed and seed. Y'all heard yeah, it. Yeah, and you can out. call them and they'll walk you through it. So mm-hmm. I've had, as, as soon as we started kind of headed down that road, so many people have emailed me and messaged me. They're so excited that I'm starting to think about this stuff, but it's going to take me forever to get from here to there. I mean, I just know it. Yeah. But I feel like out of responsibility for my kids, I need to have a kind of escape hatch for them. 
I just, you, I just, YouTube's your best it. friend for that. Um, YouTube is a problem with a lot of stuff, but there's so much good backyard suburban uh, survival type stuff that you can get into. I've watched so mm-hmm. much of that video, those kind of videos. I'm sure JP has too. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually had a get a guy on our podcast, Thomas Coin, who uh, does survival training in California. He's really, really good at it. And he, oh, he, he does of, survival training in California. He does all kinds I'm of in courses. California now. Oh, awesome. I'll link you up with him after. I exactly want that, including weapons. Everything. Anything you can think of. This guy is a black belt and all that stuff. I've been looking for that exact thing. Oh, that's so cool. I need the Jack Bauer training. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he... This guy is awesome. I have a man crush on him. He he has uh, (laughs) like all the talents that a man would want. He can do outside and survive and do anything. You did a show with him? Yeah, he did our show. I Um, want to do a show with him. Yeah. Can he, I rip you off on that a little bit, maybe? Absolutely. I We're, just want to pick I love the networking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll uh, get you guys in touch after Perfect. the episode's over. And um, that would be great if you could do that because then you can be our guinea pig because JP and I want to do it too. <laughs> I totally want to do it. and I, But it has to have weaponry. Yeah, he does weapons. He does uh, locating uh, native and native plants, what's harmful, what's not, what you can eat, what's poisonous, um, how to make oh, traps that's cool. for a small game. I bought an army book that like tracks. I mean, I don't, I'm still haven't really learned much from it, but it's one of the army training manuals that they sell that I got. I was like, I got to start learning about this shit because I don't know much yeah. about Someone it. Recommended we all do. It's Firefox a series. Yeah. Do you guys hear of the Firefox series? No, I just know the web browser. Yeah, it's not that. It's uh, maybe I'm even getting the name wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's Firefox. It's 14 books, and somebody maybe it was 100 years ago they started to put it together. They went to all the people living in the Appalachians, which I don't know if you've, yeah, you're from the Southwest. You should know the Appalachians, Southeast. I'm from Louisiana. <laughs> JP's from Wyoming. So we're from. Oh, very, okay. Well, Appala- I'm from New York. So yeah. that to me, like that was the hillbillies were in the Appalachians. Yeah. And, and they were not connected to city life for the longest of anybody. And so they were still around a hundred years ago when the, this, person or people went to ask them how to do stuff, how to, how to weave a basket, how to like figure out the right thing to cut down or grow to make baskets to what you the best way to skin something, how to use the skins, just all the stuff that you could just do if you were a homesteader that people were really doing, which is so important compared to re that's why when the encyclopedia Britannica went out of print that the last issue that was in print. I wanted to get it because real knowledge can be lost and kind of reformed in the, on the internet, but it can't be when it's historical and the people are living it and they learned it from their parents. It's really rich like that. And that's the Firefox series. I got it for my son for his birthday. I'll be giving it to him soon and then I can tear it to pieces, but I didn't want to like break the bindings and everything until <laughs> I, I acted like it was his present, like Homer and the bowling ball. <laughs> it's just like here. That's interesting. That, that makes me think of, I've been talking about Saul Alinsky a lot because I've been going back to his book again, since all the stuff that's going on right now with the protests and everything. And there's a section there we're talking about what I guess would essentially probably be labeled as guerrilla warfare, maybe. But he was talking about, I think it was the civil war. And he was talking about the tactics used by some of the generals that 
were outside of the experience of their opponents. I don't know if he was talking about Sherman. I, I can't remember the specific general, but this general had more knowledge of the landscape and of the woods and of living off of the land. And he was aware that the opposition wasn't as well versed in that. So it was outside of their experience. So he knew based on his, his uh, training that the set of strategies that, that most militaries at the time would, uh, would put in play flanking and everything. And he knew that they did not train in the type of knowledge that he being off the land in this kind of off the grid style. So he went outside of the knowledge, uh, the, the experience and knowledge of his opponent and they went to the land and they completely ambushed. And, you know, I guess a good way to look at it is that that stupid, that, that movie, the Patriot, nobody likes Mel Gibson anymore, but he goes through the woods and he's taking people him. out because they don't know what they're talking about. I was going to say. Yeah. Solinsky talks sure. about, he talks about doing the same thing when it comes to political warfare, when it comes to activism tactics is doing things that are outside the experience of the people that you are targeting to just kind of throw them through a loop and pull the rug out from under them. That makes and good did it sense. Work? Yeah. I, I mean, I think we're seeing it work. I, no, right no. Now, I mean, in, in that, in that yeah. example. And the example he gives it did. Right. I, I wish I could that remember the specific general he's talking about. Rules I can't for really. Radicals is the Solinsky book. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, the guy I was mentioning earlier is Thomas Coyne. Is T H O M A S Thomas, and then Coyne C O Y N E Survival School. So, any of the listeners, go check him out. Yeah, um, I'll send you guys links to his stuff after too, and his contact. Yeah, fantastic. But, um, he's a that's really, exactly really down to earth, awesome for. guy. So we're gonna have him back on soon too. Um, I used we had to him early in the pandemic. Ship my son, who's too young for it. I realize now to COTEF Ch Children of the Earth Foundation, which that tracker in New Jersey who ended up falsely identifying that rapist with, uh, with James Comey, that was a blot on his record. But other than that, he was a well-known, it's called Children of the Earth Foundation, but he was a tracker and supposedly was passing on the wisdom of the Native Americans. <clears throat> so my son went to this uh, coats have a couple of summers and then we kind of strong armed him into joining boy scouts for a little while and boy scouts had something to do like you had to go out on this expedition with a teammate or whatever and and one of the things was to build a fire and my husband was asking him, so could you do it could you handle it and he looks and he says they gave us a match <laughs> <laughs> and i was like wow that kid is hardcore because they at cotep they they definitely don't have a match and the, the challenge of Boy Scouts was a single match, and he was just like, just so he's now kind of graduated to where he wants a gun for his birthday. And I'm like, okay, we need to get some training and yep. just kind of change. I think we're all ready to transition to a new lifestyle. This, this Corona Times thing really changed the way my kids think about all the stuff I've been telling them for so long. Yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely time to start getting sharp with all our our natural skills for sure Mon real uh, independence yeah how many kids do you have monica i have three and uh they're all teenagers but the oldest one has down syndrome so okay. it's been quite challenging i haven't first of all it takes a lot of time and second of all you really can't approach weapons and stuff like that in the same way with right. a person who's kind of gets into trouble like that so yeah. but you know what he's part of the gang and we're gonna have to take care of ourselves yeah, we have to sure. just accommodate that and the other kids though who are younger they now finally understand 
that the stuff, because especially since the Corona thing, like we don't know anybody who's sick. Like nobody knows anybody who's really sick. And I'm not saying nobody is sick, but a pandemic is when a lot of people are very sick. Right. And my kids are saying, yeah. And I, we, Binkley and I called it day one. Like, so we have shows from February 8th saying, don't think anybody's going to get too sick here. <laughs> and so my kids are like, oh, okay. Now, now what were you saying, Ma? Like, exactly. <laughs> I saw a story yesterday that said one in three Americans know someone who has died of coronavirus. That's well, let's shit. think about that. Which, I know, which I was like, I'm, I see that's put out there because I think it's the start. I think it's the seeding of this t type of narrative. I think we're probably going to start seeing interviews. We've already seen some interviews with people who allegedly had it. I think we're going to start seeing more and more interviews with people who are families and friends of people who had the virus. I think they're going to be testifying and telling their story in this next push during the second wave. That's probably true. You know what I heard today? This is another thing that I, I know I anticipated was that they're saying that people who got COVID, didn't die, whatever, are now, it looks like it affected way more than we thought, which is, you know, whatever, then, and that they're going to have a lifetime of after effects from this. And mm. if you go down the 5G road, for example, which I really haven't, but anything they do that's radiation or toxic or anything like that in the atmosphere, now would be the time because then they can say, oh, well, that was all the COVID. It causes Alzheimer's disease or it causes headaches, you know, all the stuff that aluminum or radiation causes. They could just yeah, chalk it up to that. Yeah, it's grouped in with everything. They're setting that up. And yeah. I would just say, if old people are dying, I mean, everybody knows, I mean, old people die. So if you know old people, you are going to know at some, in some defined time frame someone who died. And if they all are being chalked up to COVID, then that's what they're going to, that's what it's going to seem like to you. But it's not poignant it's not in your face they're not it's not what you think of as a, as a pandemic and I, think I wonder if there's going to be like a national covid uh you know where they bury everybody a cemetery oh, oh wow. like a potter's field of uh, like yeah. Blackheath. I, I had a friend who has a house in england it's and his town is called Blackheath, and it was just the mound it's a big park but it's the mound where they buried all the black plague people Black heat. Really? Like, uh, yes. And I'm just because like, they were afraid of the contagion. Is that what? No, they, put they were off? dead. Yeah, but sometimes so they, they put the body. Them. Yeah, I mean, I, that's a good propaganda angle, them. though. Like for for the future. Like if you want to tell the story of the past, say here's what happened when this pandemic hit. You can yeah. go to this graveyard and see the massive graves. It's and not a have... graveyard. It's just a. No, I mean, if they were to do a COVID graveyard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, and truly, truly, like maybe that is a, a thing for the black death to make you scared of something i don't know but well, they what, what about I, that, I, yeah what about that island in new york where they were burying all those people by the mass yeah well, yeah, well, yeah. There what was, was that called bullshit about that i, I can't remember was but it, i, I don't know Roosevelt what there is behind that but it i mean the pictures obviously look like that but you never know yeah was it roosevelt island yeah i think that's it that sounds familiar what that, yeah, that there's, right. I don't, I, I know like a lot of those stories were debunked. And besides the thing in New York, I really think has to do with their policies. And I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's gen genocide, like just killing old people. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's getting pinned with COVID. And we have no way to prove that it's not COVID when they die. Cause it's and I don't think they have any out. way to 
prove that it is COVID. I, I think well, the tests they that. give. There has been one case, one and only one case, as for my research, of someone who died was checked for COVID, test positive, and then the officials came out and said, this person's death, while they did have COVID, COVID had nothing to do with this person's death. Every, oh, I other, case I, every other case I had seen, <laughs> that statement had never been made and it had been I know said, who it, is. it had been died of COVID. And I know, Monica, you know who it is, George Floyd. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. If that would have been any other person or any other situation, it would have been a COVID death. Yeah. I, do you guys have an agenda? Can I ask you something that's going to I, completely I move us? I think we do, but I don't think we share the same one. I'm not yeah, sure. Ask, ask us. <laughs> yeah. I'm, right. <laughs> well, an agenda for this show, for the next topic that we're talking no, about. No, well, it's open. Whatever y'all want to go. Yeah. All right. I would really like a tour of your memorabilia. You want to see oh, it? Oh, okay. let's see. Um, <laughs> here, we'll just kick this to the side. I see that. I love the dinosaur. So it's this, this side, left side for the listeners. Just yeah, it's the other way. I know. I do that too. Yeah. So is top. anyone going to be able to see this? I mean, I don't care no, either way, but no, we're going to have to do this. Talk them it. through. Can, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I'm talking to your mic. Oh, yeah. I forgot <laughs> about that. Let me take my mic off. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Hello, guys. Hey. All right, so up here is mm-hmm. all our guest books. We had different guests on. This is uh, Donald Jeffries' books, uh, Crimes and Cover-Ups in American Politics. Great book. Ooh. Haven't read it yet. It's very big, very intimidating. This is Charlie Robinson's book, The Octopus of Global Control. He was our first guest and our uh, friend of the show. He's been on a couple times. Uh, the legendary John Barber. He's an old journalist and been around in the game for a long time. He's got a really good book about old Hollywood and what's it called? Um, Your mother's not a virgin. <laughs> it's a great yes, title. She is. Yes, she is. <laughs> you can't prove it. <laughs> and we got some uh, MMA books from some MMA guests that we've had. Nice. Um, That's cool. We got a Cthulhu statue right here. Kind of hard to see. We got Bruce Lee because eventually I'd like to do a, uh, an episode on the Bruce Lee theories about him being murdered by the Chinese mafia. Yeah, like and water. his son Brandon what? Lee. Yeah, and there a documentary about him that came out on Netflix recently. Uh, like, like water. water. I think yeah. it's called like water. Yeah. Yep. Be like water, my friends. That's a that's a that's some we use what that in improv mean? training. Improv. It means you float whatever the shape of the situation. You can meld yourself to it and survive that situation. It's sort of that's probably really a simplistic way to explain it. But it's just for improv with for improv theater. The way that we used it was anything that you can use anything that's thrown at you against or, or for your purposes, so to speak. Yeah. For a positive purpose. We're doing, we're so doing that there. I'm like a news anchor and you're my cameraman now. Uh, <laughs> I know. I love it. I really feel like it's a man yeah, on the street the thing and you're only like one foot from your normal uh, station, so but I, it's very on location now. So <laughs> I'm very immature. I collect a lot of figurines and stuff. I've had this Brandon Lee Crow figure for a long time. Okay. Now. I was trying to figure out what that was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it scares my little girls. So it's kind of fun. Ah, that's um, good. It's good for them. Adrenaline. Yeah. <laughs> I got a Himalayan salt lamp because every podcast studio needs that. Um, I love sugar, it. sugar skull, Mexican culture, JP's Chicano. Okay. Yep, there you go. Um, <laughs> oh, we also have this book in here, which is fun for me. I found this at an antique shop. Um, I've been looking for one. It's our original Berenstein Bears from when we were children. Uh, oh. But it says Berenstein, right? People think they changed the yeah. name. Yeah, that's the, what's that theory? That's the reason I got it. 
the men. Nice. Yeah, yeah, the name Let me see. Hold on. I can't see it. Yep. There's a stain on that. Yep. I have, the, I have a shirt from the Field of Dreams, which is also part of that. The what, what is that theory called again, that conspiracy theory? The Mandela Effect. The Mandela Effect, yeah. yeah. I have a shirt, on the, and it says on – I got it from the Field of Dreams. It says, if you build it, they will come. In the movie, it says, if you build it, he will come. Ooh. And I bought who that is, from the, the baseball field. He is the he? dad in the movie. <clears throat> oh. That's awesome. Oh, that makes That's me good. sad. I want to cry. <laughs> um, on this one, we have a <laughs> shark. Sorry. I believe it's a bull shark, y'all. Yeah. We got Bigfoot because we're in the truth nice. or theory stuff. And as <laughs> as of today, we got a brand new rock added to here. JP, you want to tell them what that rock's about? Uh, yeah, that's uh, it's called a a K two stone. It's actually what the Anunnaki used to use to teleport and things like that. From, <gasps> from really, does it work? I haven't gone anywhere yet. We that's he cool. brought it right before he came to record, so we're gonna Did teleport you ever hear after the episode. Cry America. No. He's um. A Native American, I guess you still call him, even though he's Canadian. And it's a pair of guys. But I think he gets into that stuff. I like the higher side chats, gets into that stuff. It's uh, indigenous, right? Yeah. Is it an indigenous people? Yeah. yeah. Indigenous. Where'd you get that stone? Just local rock shop. Hmm. Don't say that. It makes it sound less important. Well, I, we I found it from that, a, I climbed to the Yeah, where'd you <laughs> an archaeological dig? Yeah, <laughs> he was he was in the Someone Rocky did. Mountains doing a dig from a meteor okay. crash. Yeah, that's what I figured. Found it. I figured. Uh, Look, he did that with a straight face. This guy can lie. <laughs> Write that down. Tuck that away. There's a little Illuminati-looking pyramid with Egyptian writing on it, which I nice. thought was cool. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. We got a, a Amazon LED alien face that just lights up different colors. I don't know if you can. Yeah, that's that the, that's my favorite. So I far. used to do these videos. This guy's roommate I lived with had this plastic alien at his place. And to promote these shows that we did, I used to do these interviews with, and I named him Alien Face. And we would <laughs> just dub, dub a voiceover. And, <laughs> That's hilarious. Alien Face. And we got Monica's uh, favorite animal, the T-Rex. Dinosaur. I love nice. the T-Rex. You know my theory of the T-Rex. Yep. And if you look closely, he's got Yoshi in his mouth. He's eating another fig. Uh -huh. Aww. That'd be a so great, I just think yeah. T-Rex is ridiculous on its face. Yeah. That's the amount. It is up to someone else to prove to me that thing existed. Like people are like, oh, how can you prove it didn't exist? I'm like, you know what? I think I got logic and instinct on my side on this one. <laughs> We're going to go back into that in a minute for sure. Uh, this shelf is a bunch of random stuff. We got an Area 51 uh, sign nice. that tells no trespassing and all the good stuff. Was that, that, was that taken from the place? It, yeah. Yeah, uh, JP took it and ran, and I picked him up in the car. You so. lie. <laughs> no, that would be cool, though. It's bought off Amazon. Yes. Did, did you guys watch the live feed when they did the? They were going to storm Area 51? I, I didn't watch it. I was tracking it for a while, but I thought they canceled it. No, some people showed up, quite a few, but not, not in the hundred thousands like they were expecting, not even close. Nobody charged them. <laughs> yeah. It was COVID, right? I think COVID pushed it back. Or was that that's why they there was some event that Ooh, made it not there's another theory right happen. there it's interesting hmm. we got yeah. a maximus gladiator like helmet on this guy. that's a great movie. my office yeah i love it uh and behind there i don't know if you can see it there's a, an old beer can from the 70s when the steelers won the super bowl my uh papa had that as memorabilia and i got that when he passed away oh you got steelers fans no not at all i just a <laughs> fan of my papa yeah that's cool man <laughs> there you go yeah, he wasn't either. I don't. Somebody gave it to him because he was a 
uh, avid NFL watcher, and it was just some kind of. It's still never been opened too, so it's important. My, my brother's oh. a huge Steelers fan. That like he would be really excited seeing that. Oh, oh. this is when Bradshaw and Franco Harris and all those guys were in the dream. Yeah, team. that's awesome. Uh, and there's a white rabbit my wife bought for our studio because the white rabbits are a thing. Uh, and then below is some Ninja Turtles because I am a child. Oh yeah. my gosh, uh, my son I told you has Down syndrome. I someone was asking, I don't know, my daughter's into astrology. I was going to say with the rock shop, she asked for a crystal, a subscription to crystals being shipped to her every month. So I got it for her. So she cares about that. And uh, she said, "Oh, Luke, uh, I'm not supposed to say his name. <laughs> You're a Leo." And he said, I'm not a Leo. I'm a Mikey, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. It is awesome. And he is definitely a Mikey, but I was like, oh, oh, uh, oh. That's really good. Pizza and such. This is a poster my wife and I made um, with Eddie Bravo, who's a big conspiracy guy. Yeah. Really, really on That's the deep cool. end. It's got all the classic. Great. Uh, all I'm saying is look into it. Yeah. Right on, man. And then this uh, inflatable globe, one of our loyal listeners and good friends, uh, P-Hud, he sent that to us because we did a Flat Earth episode. That was his way of saying no. Yeah, I, I agree <laughs> with the no on that. Yeah. And I have three reasons. Yeah, let's, let me set this back up and then let's hear you guys' take on Flat Earth because we're not Flat Earthers either. Well, I want, I just want to see the, the Bravo poster again. Yeah. You don't have to show it to me, but go look at it and tell me if there's anything super, super interesting on there that I should... You can um, show it to me. Let me uh, Don't worry about it. I could probably pull it up on Amazon. No, it's it's homemade. Oh, oh. Yeah. Uh, That's cool. Lots of photoshopping. <laughs> okay, wow. Then I just want one. I'll send it I'll send it to you so you can see it closer. We have the image. So there. what should I let's see. Yeah. yeah, I got the JFK. I got nine eleven. Um is Paul McCartney on there? That's one I don't believe in. Uh, there's dinosaur. There's Uncle Sam. I'll point to it, JP, and you tell everybody. Okay. <laughs> I'm really putting these guys to work. Is that bad? No, it's fine. It's Am I in trouble? I'm never going to be invited back. Okay, yep, Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Yep, Bigfoot silhouette, Illuminati in the hands. Yeah. Uh, we got JFK with the CIA seal on it. Yep. Nice. Which is war on oil. War on oil. Yep. The, you know the name of that was originally called Operation Iraqi Liberation. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, the acronym was OIL. Oh. And they changed it because it was too fucking obvious. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That's awesome. <laughs> Dropping bombs. You can still look on Wikipedia. It's Operation Iraqi Liberation. Yeah, that makes sense. So, can you see what I'm pointing Yep, blue unicorn. No, bro. I don't uh, get huh? that. What is that? Oh, it's, the, it's a Denver horse. <laughs> yeah. It's a Lucifer from the Denver. Oh, yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. What's blue the blue unicorn? It's a oh, Denver the, horse in the airport. We have to talk about oh, that in yeah. a minute. I'm writing yeah. this stuff down. So just keep doing it so they can put their laptop down and then I'm going to get to some of these. <laughs> uh, we got, who's that, Epstein? Epstein and Hillary Clinton. She's watching them with popcorn while he's hanging. Nice. Suicide watch. Suicide watch. UFO. Chemtrails right here. Yeah. Uh, fake NASA. It's their sign. Uh, my wife and I made a thing where it looks like somebody spray painted graffiti on it. It says fake and then the fake is says, fake AF. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, Anunnaki stuff in the pyramid thing on the back of the dollar bill. Eddie Bravo, Area 51. The Mars rover uh, thing is yep. catchy crap, too. You got to look into that. 9 11 was an inside job. 
uh, Joe Rogan as Uncle Sam saying, I want you to try DMT. <laughs> nice. Uh, T-Rexes and kangaroos. I don't know if y'all know that reference. Nope. Uh, Eddie Bravo said that a T-Rex is basically just a kangaroo and dinosaurs are bullshit. Oh, Perfect. Yeah, think good of, point. If you think about their skeletons, it's very similar too. It's the only way it would work. Yeah, good. Um, this one right here is hollow earth. Um, it's hard to see. Yeah. I'm going to send you this so you can see it up close too. Uh, one small fly for man, one giant hoax for mankind, moon landing. Yep. Uh, Freemason symbol. Yep. Bohemian Grove symbol. Mm-hmm. And a satellite, which that's a theory on its own. Satellite. Yeah, no, I want to hear that one. The New World Order. Yep. Uh, DARPA. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it. Anti-gun. Yeah, there's an AR with a sensor going yep. through it. Going <clears throat> okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, that poster overall makes me... I, you, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Don Quixote. I heard of it, but I don't know. I'm not it's Dan Fogler is the main character in it. He, it, it's a dude who just all of these conspiracies. His character is obsessed with all of them, and he has like psychedelic trips trying to figure it all out. It's a crazy so is movie. It a modern adaptation of the Don Quixote story, like where he's maybe he I'm saying the title wrong. The title Don is Quixote. a play. It's a Q play on Don Quixote. The title. Yeah. Okay. With it slightly yeah. different, so got it. Yeah, I understand. That's fine. So it's not literal. It no, I, I I don't remember what the reference to that character is, but all of those yeah, conspiracies are kind really? of like involved in the yeah. It's a wild movie. Is it good? Would I like it? I don't know if you would like. Well, actually, you'd probably like it because of the conspiracy angles. But it does. Dan is a very very creative. Like he will go. Further. It might be too noisy for my brain. It will go further sci-fi wise than than a lot. I of love sci-fi. Well, Come it's, on. It, I mean, it's a Come it's on. it's an enjoyable movie for me because yeah. I yeah and yeah you um, like him yeah okay yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out thank you. It's worth it's worth it. I mean, got a couple hours yeah. to burn. Why not? Right. Why not? Yeah yeah yeah. It's a lot of fun. We we like to go deep into that weird stuff. Not that we believe into everything, but it's fun to it's fun to hear. It's fun to entertain and think about. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to hear the satellite one, and then we can talk flat Earth and the Denver horse. Okay. Can we do this? Uh, how, how many satellites do they say there's up there? Like fifteen hundred or something like that. There's so many satellites. I don't know. I don't believe that. How do those things not crash into each other? Yeah. There. There's a lot of theories. I really don't have much invested in this one. I just threw it in there because Eddie Bravo talks about it a lot, and those guys bring it up a lot. That their satellites are not actually orbiting in space. They're on basically hot air balloons going around Earth. So I don't know. That I'll have to look into that because they say that eventually I've seen a couple of things that I thought were stars and then I realized they're satellites yeah. and they mm -hmm. say there's just going to be so many of them. It'll kind of like litter the sky. And that pisses me off like chemtrails. Like I want to look at a sunset and, and try to see the mind of God. And when my husband told me, he's like, oh, come out, look at the sky. And, and they were like this. He's like, can you imagine that cloud formation? I said, it's fake. He's like, you suck. You're in everything. <laughs> and I said, well, I used to look up in the sky and think I was seeing the mind of God. But now I'm seeing like some asshole, John Brennan or whatever in D.C., just like, ah, just cover it with aluminum. I just, I can't have it. I'm sick of it. But Maybe we're seeing the curvature the of a glass globe. Maybe that's what we're seeing. Whoa, that's crazy. What? Okay. Of what? The, when we look up, maybe we're seeing the curvature of yeah. a glass globe. Well, but here's the thing. That's why I'm not a flat earther, because I have a couple of experiences that make me 
not a flat earther. And uh, maybe I was just underneath the globe. That is possible. The globe is the magnetosphere. It's not glass. It's just a magnetic, I think a magnetic force field. But when I was in the Concorde, which is, was very high up, the supersonic plane, I could see that the earth was round. And then another time I went to Indonesia and I flew from New York to Indonesia. I flew east and I intentionally, even though it was a shittier airline, flew from Indonesia back to New York east again so that I could literally circumnavigate the globe. And well, I did. And then somebody called me from on the radio show who said that he was in the Navy. And then when the ships, the ships will drop back down from the horizon so they can't be seen and they can still shoot the ship that they were aiming at but they have to adjust for the curvature of the earth oh wow that's cool i love so that he, kind of stuff he said he personally witnessed that those adjustments hit their mark now i i didn't personally witness that but it was a pretty plausible explanation yeah. i guess that would make sense yeah because if you shot super straight it would just dive right into the water because of the curvature yeah up yes. to go around. It's got to have an arch to it. That makes sense. And you you have to you have to adjust for gravity. That mm-hmm. is true. But you also there's another adjustment apparently. Yeah, that's right. It would just over time, especially if it was like torpedo. Oh, geometry. Yeah. Brad, where are you from? I don't think we uh we know that. Oh, you got muted there, buddy. Sorry, Snellville, Georgia originally. Oh, okay. Around the Atlanta area. Okay, cool. And you, Monica, you're in California now? I'm in California now. I'm from New York originally. My husband's from Texas. I lived there. We moved to Atlanta. I did the show from Atlanta. And then just things all got crazy. I lost my job and the Corona times and all that. So we're out in California now. I hope ultimately to get back to Texas. Although people are telling me that they act like they're all liberty loving and but there's just tons of red tape if you want to kind of do the homesteading thing so i don't know i mean i i probably will end up there i kind of kind of follow my husband because he's the one who works for yeah. actually pays the rent <laughs> all right so you gotta move up north that way you can hit the north south east and west all, all of them i know well i'm from new york if that's not too north but i was thinking i was just reading that wyoming and vermont are the two states that have fewer people in them than washington dc they were arguing for washington statehood and i thought wyoming I mean, if you want to get remote, that's a big place to have not a lot of people. Yeah. Least, yeah. least population per <laughs> that's amazing. Goes, per square mile or something like that. Yeah. And they have one of the most laid back gun laws, things like that. And there's hardly, there's hardly any crime there. Aren't yeah. the speed Probably. limits like astronomically high there? Uh, 85 on I-80. <laughs> that's great. But isn't yeah. Dick Cheney from there? Yeah, he is. That's true. Kind of chafes me a little He's bit. from the Casper area. Yeah. Did you see him? It, did the picture? His wife tweeted a picture I of him that. with him wearing a mask, or his daughter him wearing a mask, and it said something like "wear a mask." And it it would look. I tweeted out, "This must be what you see right before you get waterboarded," because it looked like <laughs> he had this creepy look in his face, like right, "Here I like, come, Brad." <laughs> we've been listening to your show. Buckle <laughs> up, but. Whenever I see him, I just have this vision of him sitting in the back seat of a limo with the dark windows and just like outside maybe a skateboard park. And he sees some strapping young guy come out. It's like, that's the one. My next heart is coming from that guy. <laughs> just, he picks his own hearts. You know, like you yeah. go into pick your own lobster. He picks his yeah. own hearts. 
That, yeah, he's what is he on? His third or fourth one now? I don't know. It's really, and I don't think transplants are. You could go down that road too. Darth Chains. Yeah, what blows my mind is that picture was tweeted out, and this is probably bait for this very idea. It's probably bait to cause this type of uh, conflict conversation. But this is the guy who was promoting weapons of mass destruction in Iraq over and over again. And this was a, a propaganda campaign that was revealed. And here he is being a spokesperson for wear your mask, wear your mask, one of us. Yeah. Well, I actually think this thing is war. This is a war. I mean, not that they're killing everybody, but they're doing all the same things with it, changing the world. Yeah. They're mm -hmm. just, it's, and the atrocity propaganda and all mm -hmm. that stuff. But the transplant thing, they had to invent the concept of being brain dead to make it legal because you cannot, once somebody dies, like it changes the body, like the body chemistry just flushes with death. So you got to take the organs before death. Oh, wow. And uh, I mean, if you wanted to go down a rabbit hole, I, I'm afraid to go down that because I know at least one person I really love who got a transplant. And I don't really yeah. want to go down that road, but I knew a transplant doctor who couldn't sleep at night. They make oh, a, they make an God. artificial I want to heart. Hear more about that. That's yeah. creepy. They, they make an artificial heart that's just kind of like a turbo, and it just constantly spins and just so you don't have a heartbeat. It just pushes your blood like whoa, and it just no keeps way. your blood flowing. And it never. That's so if you ever crazy. go unconscious and they look for Zombie. a pulse, you're in trouble. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. That's true cyborgery right there. Yeah, like, yeah that's it. They're trying to grow the stuff in labs too. They've already created a couple years ago. They created essentially a cerebellum in a lab it wasn't it was very like low functioning but they're they're constantly trying to manufacture humans from labs it's like beyond meat it's like beyond brain yeah like beyond, be beyond, humans, fully, beyond fully human. we could yeah. be actual vegetables at some point yeah <laughs> wow and they can like 3d print you a heart like out of like stem cells or something they like could that. yeah i bet have. <laughs> it's a boy made fully of soy this boy is yeah soy boy yeah. But you have to spell it with an I. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. You guys mentioned earlier about the homeless thing and being evicted and all that. Um, can you imagine if the, it gets so bad that we have like a skid row, a hardcore skid row in every state or every big city that has areas that bad? That's Actually, I, I was thinking about a concept like that last night where what it's, what's being normalized right now is – violence on the street chaos on the street because these protests and stuff are still going on they're just not being covered as much and it's getting to the point where it's like i need to go somewhere oh i better avoid that part of town because i don't want my car to get swarmed and beaten by protesters most countries aren't normalized to to mass homelessness mass violence most people never see it unless you live in certain cities in, in america anyway but the third third worlding of it, like you said, third world countries are used to seeing stuff like this all the time. We're mm -hmm. being conditioned to seeing it all the time. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. I, I think that a lot of the third worlding stuff is happening and that it's like a deliberate, I mean, it goes back to, I don't know who said or how he said, I think it was David Rockefeller who basically said we're, we, to bring East and West together and to have a world government, you have to do that. East and West need to be kind of going the same speed. And the only real way to be able to do that, it would be to not only speed up the East, but to bring down the West. 
So that has all kind of been part of the plan. And when you look at this policing thing, defund the police, and I, of course, think it's very cute that they say defund instead of disband, because the feds are also Democrats and Republicans coming up with this policing bill that's all about funding it according to as long as you do what they want you to do with them. So I think that's a whole scam that they're creating a vacuum. You're going to get pre-crime and robocops and everything. But the third worlding aspect is nobody with money, like they, they were talking, I've been reading about, of course you observe it at a jewelry store or in a gated community or anything like that. They'll have rent-a-cops all over the place. Nobody really, I, I got, I was sending Binkley a check, a small check, and it got stolen out of my mailbox and they changed it to be a really huge check. And uh, and I noticed it, we called the bank and the bank had the person there trying to cash oh, wow. the check. And I said, oh, you want me to really? call the cops? Yes, yes, yeah, it's a long story. I won't get into the whole thing, I'll tell you later. But That's crazy. The, they, so I said, oh, you want me to call the cops or whatever? They said, absolutely, you can if you want to. We don't care, we don't use the cops. Yeah, wow. like we like, got our own guys going to yeah, take they care had their of their own the thing yep, on how they handled the person, how they handled getting the money back, all that stuff. They did it completely privately. And you and so like when they tell you don't if you call the cops, the cops will tell you we will never get there in time to save your life. And if you lose something or get something stolen, they will tell you we're definitely never getting that back for you. Mm -hmm. My husband had something stolen when we were moving and it turned up in a pawn shop and they said, oh, we found it, but you have to buy it from the pawn shop guy, which what? was fair because the pawn shop guy would never call the cops, you know, would never, they said, you ever see this ring? The pawn shop guy isn't going to say yeah, because then he's out the money. Yeah. But so it's fair. However, my husband could have just walked around the pawn shops. I'm just saying he had to pay for that. So all the things that the cops supposedly do for you anyway, you're really not getting the value. So if you, if you actually have something of value, you're probably going to figure out a way to secure it or insure it on your own yeah. anyway, especially mm -hmm. if you've got the money. And that's another way it's going to third world. It's like, if you have got cops who have no money or anything, my house, I'm not going to live in a place where I don't have some protection. And even if it's just having guns or figuring out how to live in Wyoming or something, but if you're inner city, especially if you're a kid, you're very vulnerable to, to the total breakdown, the interim period, a total breakdown of society might be good, but this interim thing, not so good. Well, the, what the cops are doing right now, we talked a lot about this on that podcast we're going to be releasing next week. It's become more and more apparent is that they're not, in some of the areas where there's a lot of protests going on, like the autonomous zone, they pulled out of there. And in Atlanta, they, they people have been calling in sick at uh, a high rate. And there was what I was calling the Wendy's autonomous zone, which they have ended now where there was uh, protesters taking over the Wendy's. The police were policing from a distance, they said, which is still policing because they have drones, they have all the technology and it's people just an are- eyeball with wings. They are filming oh, themselves. <laughs> yeah, people are streaming themselves wow. committing crimes on social media. They're like, look at me. And they're throwing, they're, so they're, they're damning themselves. And they think that they have freedom to get away with this because the cops aren't there and because these activists are saying, it's okay if you use violence. They don't have a right to judge you for that. It's your expression of anger. And they're getting bailed out by politicians and sent back out on the street. So they feel emboldened to, to commit crimes without consequence. But what's happening is all of this stuff is being documented by the FBI and probably locally as well. And these people are starting to get arrested. And Trump assigned some bill, I think it was last night, that is targeting people who were trying to tear down some of the statues. And I think they have allegedly arrested 
like a hundred or so people based on this. This is a story anyway. I need to verify that. But these people are being set up to have their lives ruined with a criminal record for life. Very interesting what you're saying there, though, is I was wondering, Trump was saying he wanted an executive order. He wanted this law. You, there will be consequences, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking those, all those things are all against the law. What are you talking about? Like, isn't that just the way it works? And I figured it was just bluster, but it's never, a lot of times it's not really just bluster. It's possible, of course, the devil's always in the details that what he really wants adds a little something like we get to use surveillance that didn't have a warrant or was before probable cause thing, which you really, I mean, they do it. It's called paradigm parallel construction, I think they are doing that, but you're really not supposed to do it. And sometimes they'll look for a way to codify, put into law, things like that, that are walking the line. And it sounds like, well, of course people should be arrested for vandalism. Isn't that a law already? Go ahead. But if it's not exactly, then maybe there is something a little different about it. Yeah. And they've normalized this idea of us being tracked through covid oh, it, it, Yeah. So it just, start, it just started being like a normal this. part of a news report cell phone data tracking technology tells us that COVID has spread from here. Then it shows the map. It's like a spider web that goes across the country. And at first I was like, wow. So they're admitting this. And then it just became normal that they're talking about in almost every news report on COVID. And that stuff can also be used by police to track anybody involved in the protest. So, hey, the people on the left were totally down with COVID tracking and the right will be totally down with rioter tracking. Mm-hmm. It's one and the same. Wow, that's nuts. Jeez. And, yeah, and here we are. We're in a really weird time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are. Oh, it's, it's crazy. It's really, and here's the thing, like this, the stuff that we used to talk about always kind of speculate, draw it out, where could this head, was always this worst nightmare scenario, and it just happened overnight. It yeah, just happened. Yeah. And now when I tell people this is obviously a stepping stone to the fourth industrial revolution where we're cyborgs, people are like, oh, you're ridiculous. Like, I'm not... Come on, we're halfway there already. Like yeah. you, last week, last month, last year, you would have said this was a ridiculous yeah. dystopian fantasy. And the, the dystopian, reality. yeah, it's totally, it's in our, the dystopian is powered by the mass psychology of the people that is being, subver complete logic is being subverted and brainwashing is, is fully setting in when you have a narrative that, one group of people can go protest without masks, thousands of them together, touch each other, whatever. Everything's fine. It's virtuous. It's moral. Another group of people can meet at a rally or can go to a protest, and it's not. I know having that argument is part of the dialectic, but the fact that you can rationalize that to where somebody could go, no, no, no. So you could say, you could point that out to somebody who, who you know, who might believe, um, be buying into the propaganda, and they, they might say, no, 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 it's okay that we're going to do this because this is more important and this is more of an existential, uh, existential threat than this is. But a week ago, somebody literally said going to a Trump rally is, is murderous because you're spreading the, the coronavirus and you're a terrorist. And to write that in your mind and rationalize it is insane. It's just an extension of what they've been doing all along with the left-right thing with the Democrat, I mean, people will absolutely say whatever their side says. So I noticed it distinctly when I would say, Obama is doing this. And I would have all the callers, the conservative callers from WSB say, I, I hate Obama because he's bad with the constitution. And it's like, well, some people think that it's because you're a racist. How could it be because I'm a racist? I defend the constitution. And then it's Trump. And I say, well, he's 
violating the Constitution in this exact same way. And they're just like, oh, you're a little hard on Trump, aren't you? He's just trying to do this. You don't understand 47D chess. It's coming. It's coming. And I'm thinking that was those are two That's where Q kind of comes in. I meant it to be the same person. What? That's where Q kind of comes in. I know, I know. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's I want to get into the Q thing with you guys too and see, pick your brains on it. I'm sure you've talked about it on your podcast. Um, a little bit. A little bit. I wanted to – what was the Denver horse thing? Well, oh. the show that we did with Dan Fogler, he goes through the entire – not the entire, but a lot of the Q narrative, stuff that I, I hadn't heard before because I'm not as tuned into it as he is. But he laid out a lot of the Q narrative, which helped me uh, understand it a little bit better. It's interesting. Yeah. It's got all the things that you want to interest someone like me, someone who's into alternative theories, and it also has elements of truth. Right. So elements of, of verifiable things that you know are true, and then you have other things that can be plausible based on the truths that you're aware of, but that's how those truths, I think, get buried it is underneath all of the other stuff. And then you have the media collectively branding this a religion of conspiracy theorists, radicals, and then the truth within it gets buried at the bottom. And anytime that truth comes out of somewhere else, it comes out of somewhere else. They'll say, Oh, that's just a Q theory and it'll be dismissed. Right. Mm. That's very, very true. Mm. Uh, I want to step back real quick. You guys are talking about the statues. I, I wanted to bring up the Mount Rushmore thing. Have you guys ever been to Mount Rushmore? I haven't. When I was a kid, I did. And I was on a helicopter to our little kid. Wow. I was wow. helicopter. And I, I'm not a fan of helicopters, so I can't <laughs> believe I did that. But the guy, there were no doors on it, and he just like dove around. And, oh, wow. and I remember more the helicopter ride than Mount Rushmore, but my dad took me to Mount Rushmore. Why did he ask? Did the helicopter ride uh, tour Crazy Horse as well? I'm assuming it would have. Probably it's did, but I was- Five miles away, 10 miles it away? Was, yeah, it was, it was actually a few things, but I was borderline pre-memory- yeah. So I can't, I can't remember the details, but Rushmore details. was, yeah, it was in the news. And, and Monica, it's what I brought up on our show the other day, because it was in the news to promote this idea that Trump in a rally on July 4th, it's going to be a racist rally. And it goes to what you were talking about, about July 4th being, it's going to be turned, something big is going to happen. I think like, the symbol I of July 4th is going to be turned into a divisive symbol. Yes. Wow. I agree with that. If you haven't been in Mount Rushmore, it's very, very protected as far as getting close to it. And it's a, a very steep, crazy hike to get up next to it. I really want to see these guys target that because these uh, these figures are definitely targetable well, in their mindset. You'll <laughs> I see. I really want to see it play out. Oh, like them try to take down those. I want to see yeah, them vandalize it. Whatever they yeah. have to do, I want to see what, how that plays out for them because that is a disaster waiting to happen. Interesting. Well, then you'll know it's an inside job. Yeah. And um, they're supposedly in the back of the, uh, I think it's Le uh, Abraham Lincoln's statue. There's a tunnel path. I asked the guy that worked there that was one of the rangers. Um, where um, is there true that I know there's a lot of theories about this place holding a bunch of secrets and stuff. Is there really a tomb in there that holds a lot of the United States secrets and documents? And he said, yes, it is. And it's uh, not not uh, denied, but it's very well protected and it's not for the public to go to. I'm like, dude, that's nuts. That should be. Is that the Nick Cage movie? Yeah, I think they did touch on that National Treasure. Yeah. I don't know if I've seen those all those movies, but yeah, there there really is a a tomb in there. Supposedly, that has a uh, I don't know why they would put it there and why they would do it this way, but it's got a bunch of our documents and our history things that are super important to our country, but we're not allowed to see it as taxpayers. It's kind of strange. Hiding in plain sight. What do you think? Yeah. 
An example of that oh, might be. Man, I want to see it. Who knows? The Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Holy Grail. Secret yeah, life. relic of yeah. Christ. Um, we'll probably change our entire perception of history and reality if we were to yeah, find out what was in real history. <laughs> I'm always wondering what it is that I have absolutely no idea about. And that's why I always wonder people who are hardcore, like kind of aggressive atheists. I just think we really don't even know what's going on down here. I know. How could we really know what's going on in it's the universe? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's way over our heads. I wanted to bring this up to you real quick because I had the thought and it's kind of off subject, but everything that we're talking about and that we've talked about on this podcast, you guys are talked about. JP and I talked about in Truth or Theory. We started this podcast in January 2000 this year, but we planned for it in the fall of 2019, and we were kind of prepping for it. And we had it, like this poster is a prime example of all these cliche theories that we were going to touch on, and we were going to go to each one of them, knock them out, get a guest on if we could, and then eventually we'll run out of stuff to talk about, and then more things will happen. Literally, did we know 2020 would happen. <laughs> we haven't really had a chance to go to much of the cliche stuff. This year has been absolutely nuts. And for truth seekers and alternative news people, it's like just nonstop information overload. There's so much to discover and talk about. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing for me is that the headlines, it, they struggle to keep the headlines like this, it seems. But the headlines for the longest time, and even now again, is, oh, Barr is bad. Flynn is bad. Trump is be, who who didn't dot the I on that document where I it was it was put in the wrong inbox. We need to impeach, you know, or even with when it was the Hillary server, like nothing bad actually happened. You just don't like the server she used. I mean, I got it. I got it. It's really you don't understand how bad that is, you know, <laughs> but when they everything on the front, it's like, oh, Trump paid someone to pee on a bed Obama slept in. I mean, that was literally in that Steele <laughs> dossier. And first of all, they are not human beings who care about each other. They do not care about each other. This is not about that. It's just theatrical. And even if it was true, mm-hmm. I don't care at all. I care about them nationalizing the police and making them robocops. That is what I care about. But it's just funny to me that in this year, when the world is literally being transformed, the IMF, the International Monetary Farm for a Fund, is calling it the Great Transformation. The World Economic Forum is calling it the Great Reset. And I literally have to watch and see if Mueller and Flynn and Barr are, you know, mad at each other. I mean... They all probably live in the same fraternity house somewhere. <laughs> oh, I believe that they do. I mean, if you yeah. look at the Franklin cover-up about the pedophile, the real, like, high-level Republican, for example, pedophile network back in the day, I think they all had it. The UK had it. Pizzagate is nothing. It, all that stuff all comes together, and I think they are all at the same parties. Yeah, it's... <sighs> wild yeah it's wild it's, it's, wild. it's hard it's, to comprehend all the the clusterfuck that's going on in our world right now it's all the finger pointing all the all the fake news the fake narratives all the stuff being pushed for team left team right it's there's so much um it's just a disaster here's the thing about the news in general but this year specifically i think it's working well is it has to be the best reality show or show dramatic show on television because we have so many alternatives now with the internet and all the streaming services to take our attention and 
influence us. So they have to be more interesting than the most interesting stuff we can find. That way we tune into them more and they have access to program our minds. And I think they have gotten very good at it. They're not, there's still other things, but what they've done is they are now working with places like Netflix who Obama signed a big deal and there's a lot of programming that's also in foot. So I'm seeing the media signal what themes that we are then seeing on television it is going back and forth but they're dramatic for a reason because they'll lose our interest otherwise and that's something to keep in mind it's not about telling the truth it's about keeping our interest and to that point that's interesting because if you were to watch so there's like a paul mccartney mockumentary that he's really dead he is not i figured that out he'd never died that's yeah, it. you talked about that on our on the episode you were on with oh, us. Oh, did was, I? I really yeah, bring it up, but I just want people to know that I don't just believe conspiracy theories. I don't even care what the theory is, but I do try to debunk narratives that don't ring true to me. But as they, so if for it to be, it's so much more interesting when you think it's true. And it's even more interesting when you think it matters. So when they give us the news, it really, I do think it's just scripted and made up, but they really, they, they have such an advantage because they act like it's true and they act like it matters and they act like we're still fighting for our, our rights as in, the, in, a, in an orderly civic sense that's fair dealing and everything. And I really believe that this is all theater and that the only place where it might have some reality is that politicians and the government-connected rich are actually trying their best against maybe people who want to compete for the money and the power in that little realm where they are. Like, I do think that's possible. I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure it's at that level. There is some, like, mafiosa-type stuff where they do try to pull it apart for themselves. But what we're seeing in the media, to me, including the politicians is complete is just total theater mm. yeah yeah and they're, all, they're like, all they're all trained actors they, they go to boarding schools where they have to learn acting in you know five different languages by the time they're they're in the fifth grade or something like that and the acting sci- is fundamental to them the scientists are actors yeah too fauci's and, a fauci's a demagogue essentially He's a what? He's essentially a demagogue with the way he presents rhetoric. He is, he's known for creating fear squads during the, when, you know, when AIDS first hit to try and scare the shit out of people, and th- but not with facts, but to scare them into submitting to what they tell them to do. And we're seeing oh, wow. the same thing going on right now. Demagogue is demos is the people, right? What's gog? Is it influence or power? The way that I the way that I understand the term, it's somebody who who uses extreme rhetoric to scare people into submission and doing what they instruct them to do. That Maybe I'm off on the definition. Of that, no, no, no. I'm not. I just that's want. I fit. just want to understand it. Yeah, that is what <clears throat> I would say for sure. What he's doing, and uh, yeah, I, I think I do think that it is. It is theater. And I think, oh, academics is theater also, or at least to put on in this, mm-hmm. that JFK, I think pretty much everybody knows that JFK was assassinated, not by like some lone guy. I bet the majority of history teachers don't believe in the single magic bullet theory, yet they all teach it. Oh, yeah, they yeah. teach it. They yeah, just, definitely. they teach it and they yeah. must know it's not true. And if it's not true, 
it means that we do not have continuity of government. Like we don't really have the old system anymore. Every single person who's taken office since then has covered it up. I mean, you have to realize then the whole thing is a fraud and, and everyone just goes along with it. So for me, if you don't realize it's a fraud, you're just not allowing yourself to think about it. Yeah, I think at certain levels, there's a sense of compartmentalization. I think stovepiping is one way that, that you've termed it when you control the information, only give the, the spokespeople the information that they need. And they, they're able to, the, all right, so the story last week about the noose and the NASCAR driver, which was actually a handle to pull the garage door down. He ended up being a spokesperson for the, the story, the narrative that this was a noose, definitely. And he was going around to all of the shows, The View, the late night shows, and he was telling this story that a handler or a public relations person told him and instructed him. He gave him the talking points and he was hitting the talking points and he was even ready to respond to questions about what about the people that think this is a hoax? And he, was, he responded with a condemning response that ultimately made him look like a bad guy who orchestrated it because he became the target of everybody else on the right when they found out that it was just a handle which i think set up this dialectic of all the all the republicans and all the people in nascar are now attacking the one black nascar driver which actually caused more racial tension than had it actually been a noose because everybody would have been like that's a fucking noose find the person that put it there but since yeah. it wasn't it caused that division but he was kept compart compartmentalized in my opinion because he never saw the noose he never went. Somebody came to him. Somebody formulated a story. They put it in his head in a frame that was racial and that it was an attack. And then he was probably convinced that it is his duty that he needs to go out and spread the word about this. And he probably genuinely believed he was doing the right thing. Yeah, I think I don't think people can can survive as influencers if they have their own minds. And I look at Anthony Bourdain as an <laughs> example of that. And yeah. uh, Ooh, Joan yeah. Rivers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Joan Rivers. That's a good point, too. What's she your Joan that? Rivers theory, Monica? Yeah, let's hear. Well, I knew she was off the off the leash when she was being interviewed at CNN for the last book that she wrote and she was in a fur coat on the front of it. And the young anchor woman was there to fucking give her a hard time about the coat. And Joan took a couple of hits. She took a couple of shots on it. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I get it. You don't like the coat. Eh. And then the girl just wouldn't stop. And she was humorless and mm -hmm. sour faced and all this kind of stuff. And Joan Rivers just said, what? Look at your shoes. <laughs> and the chick looked at her shoes and she was just like, your shoes are made of leather. I don't even have to see them to know you're wearing leather shoes. Screw you. I'm out of here. She took her microphone off and left. And I remember saying, she's going to pay for that. And I don't think she paid for that. I, 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 she was dead within a couple of months. And it was her circumstance. The circumstances of her death were weird. Yeah, so definitely. Then, um, and I'll tell you what that was. She, she, went, she was having trouble with her voice. So she went to a clinic to get a, like a camera down there or something. And her personal physician was in there with them. And there was no expectation of treating the problem. It was purely diagnostic. She had not signed off on a treatment. She didn't have a breathing tube down. There was no way that she was going to get anything. And the, I guess her doctor, she had, maybe the doctor asked for it. I don't know, had insisted on getting in there and just like cutting the thing, you know, taking the little polyp off of her larynx. And it froze up and completely suffocated her to death. And when it was adjudicated the judge said well it was so weird maybe i have to reread it but from what i understood he said there's no foul play here 
it she did something stupid and it resulted in death predictably i mean you know it happens and it was like it doesn't that's fucking crazy but what really convinced me that she would be targeted wasn't just revenge on the part of not going along with the narrative but binkley you sent me because you know i liked her the that kind of montage of her maybe her last appearances something like that and one of them she was saying, I was on Celebrity Apprentice and I worked with Donald Trump and he is one smart cookie and he'll be a good president. And I thought she will blow up this whole image that they're erecting around him being an idiot, hothead, doesn't know anything. She will destroy that. And she could not be there to do that, in my opinion. And I think that's- You know what also she, made the comment about Michelle Obama right go, before she died. Oh, I don't even know. What was it? She called Michelle Obama. And it, jokingly, somebody asked her a question and she said something like, oh, everybody knows Michelle Obama's a tranny. But she's yeah. not. She has kids. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a- I don't know, Monica. That's a really crazy one you got to look into. <laughs> I, I, when I have, first heard I, it, I was like, that is such harsh shit. All right, now they're getting too far. But- you look into stuff with it. There's uh, Barack Obama has called her Michael several times in live interviews by mistake, and that's supposedly her real name. Um, there's clips. But of so her. what? Hey, I know it's. I'm now, why it's, would that get uh, Joan Rivers killed? Because people are mad at her. I'm See, just saying that's another thing that happened yeah. shortly before it's, she died. She was don't. poking the bears, but basically what me and Binkley are saying. Mm. Um, but whether okay. that's true or not, it's uh, it's crazy. And not that there's okay. A, so it, go, it goes with. It. The CNN thing where she's mm -hmm. obviously yeah not she's a dissident controlled yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's take mm. a quick uh, break, guys, um, and we'll come right back to it. All right, guys, we're back. Took a little refreshment break. This is some good stuff, so we all needed to recharge. Um, Monica, you asked about the Blucifer blue horse that uh, did yeah. the airport. Um, I know a little bit of facts about that one. That's pretty interesting. When the, the guy that sculpted that horse, which is probably, how tall would you say that thing is? Like 20-something oh, feet, 30-something feet? I've seen it's, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen it. It's a massive statue, and it's very, um, very grimming, uh, intimidating look to it. It's uh, very evil. It's got glowing red eyes. If you look at it, the eyes in a certain um, way, it almost looks like you're looking at a laser eye. It's pretty intense. And the guy that carved it and made it, he actually died from that statue towards the end of it i think he was either displaying it or just finishing it and it fell over on him and um got a uh he had some kind of serious injury to his leg and bled out and died and then the denver airport bought it like four or five years later for display which is strange That's crazy yeah. he didn't make it for them no it was just i don't know why he made it i think he's a mm -hmm. foreign i see i forgot i think he's a foreigner who's a sculptor and he made it i'm not sure what purpose it was for but it was an art piece, and I'm probably going to get auctioned off at some point. It's probably well, for Podesta's brother, the probably. Paintings. No, yeah, I'm not thinking of that person. This, I think it's separate, a whole, yeah, this is a whole person. other okay. topic. I Our wouldn't be surprised if it has real occult power, which supposedly is. I know you've got a terrible blurry thing. It's like, you know what they say about Bigfoot. Yeah, we're Bigfoot. He, yeah, he's, he's not in 4D yet. So. Yeah, he's actually blurry. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah. he's like 340, whatever that. Uh, the pictures are good, but he is blurry. <laughs> is that better? Can y'all see this now? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. does okay. better. Let's see, so, uh, you know how Denver Airport has all the occult stuff. Yeah, so there's a lot of weird theories with that that airport as a whole. Just that, that sculpture, what it stands for and what it looks like. Don't, if you want to play devil's advocate and make it be an innocent thing, Denver's the home of the Broncos, so everything's Bronco related. But it's not a; doesn't look like your typical Bronco 
decor right. that they have in Denver. Mm-hmm. And you know that the person, somebody is going to ask inevitably, where'd you get that from? And they're going to have to tell that story you just told yeah. us. So it's going to have that ominous feel to it from the beginning. But it was yeah. christened with blood. That's what yeah. I think is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The, it's, it's labeled basically as a cursed statue because of the situation, because the whole fall of it was very unpredictable and strange as a whole. And it's and, out there on its own, real far yeah. from anything. Nobody's right. protesting that monument. Yeah. Oh, get, yes, get we some, should. Get some uh, people out there for uh, the Bothman uh, guy, too. Say yeah. Replace it with Dolly Parton. Be there the, you go. Yeah, that'd be perfect. <laughs> that would also fall down and kill somebody. <laughs> 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 Barbie stuff. But that's that's a that's a that's a um, <laughs> hero's death right there. <laughs> right. there. There's actually a lot of evil statues all around these major major areas and yeah. things like that. So it's, it's really not that surprising when I mean in the big picture of things. But did you whole, ever hear? Good. The whole Denver airport thing as a whole is very suspicious because mm-hmm. they supposedly. I wish I had the numbers and stats with me, but they supposedly went way over budget of what they were supposed to do for that building, for the not the building but the actual. Uh, design work and everything to to get it up and um, if you ever go out there and you drive around it it is massive it is a huge airport with a lot of acres there's a whole underground system there that's supposedly for tunneling and back and forth stuff but there's a lot of theories on there too that people want to look into it's for it's for containing human beings they don't lie about that they're like hurricane yeah. shelters and stuff uh, there was a <clears throat> Yeah, there's a lot of weird symbolism, and yeah, there's a lot going on there. Isn't but there a military ever, base, a harp? Like a, there was a former military base or something near there that they've just reopened, one of those Area 51-like places that was like NORAD-connected and built for the Soviet, the uh, nuclear weapon threat in 1960s. Oh. I think there's a – I can't remember what it's called. Mount Cheyenne something. Mountain? Yeah, yes. Is that, is that, near, is that near the Denver airport? Cheyenne, uh, Wyoming's not far no. from here, so it's possible. Okay. I don't know. No, much it's that. maybe that's right. maybe I'm, I'm connecting things that aren't. No, no, no. Yeah, uh, yeah I didn't know Mountain where that is, was located. Is okay. in Colorado. Okay, so I'm mistaken Colorado. on that. You're right. Yeah. No, I don't think. Oh, it is. It is. Okay. Yeah, I don't think it's near the Denver airport, but it's in Colorado. I think. I mean, I I looked into that. You brought that up one time. Yeah, it just because it just times. they just sent a bunch of people well, there because of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. There's all sorts of stuff going on there, but they're. I was just going to mention about the UN has a chapel in it, and I believe it's a Lucis, it's a Luciferian chapel. Like literally, they admit it. It's a Luciferian. It's weird. It's like I don't know. There are. I want to dismiss that occult and Luciferian stuff because it just seems silly. But there's so much of it. Yeah, yeah. And there's true believers, and then there's the organizers, and the organizers might not believe the in it like. Literally, but the true believers often do. I don't think that they necessarily are worshiping Lucifer. I think it's magic, like with a K. I think mm-hmm. it's so. I think they do all kind of believe it in that mm-hmm. they are conjuring. Does the CIA study that extensively? Really big out here where I am because I'm near uh, JPL, which is the Jet Propulsion Lab, where Jack Parsons, who is Luciferian, also basically started the U.S. space program at Caltech and uh, PCC, which is Pasadena City College, something like that. They have all this occult um, background with the rocketry programs. And they were in, like, Alistair Crawley hanged, hung around with those guys, L. Ron Hubbard, and I think there's a big, oh, wow. Center for Scientology out here. And I was starting to read about it. 
Parsons is that Jack Parsons and there's a place called Parsons near here. And that one, one of the things I read was that the CEO of Parsons died in that helicopter crash that Ron Brown, the one on the Clinton body count, like basically a helicopter crash into a mountain under very suspicious circumstances. And the CEO of Parsons was on it. And it's just weird because it's undeniable that those, that the rocketry, the origin of the rocketry is, uh, these these luciferians mm. weird because yeah. you I have don't... up there on your thing nasa is fake yeah <laughs> yeah i'm sure there's that we actually have a couple of guests that are loyal listeners um and their family members work for nasa so i'm really looking forward to getting them on too and picking their brain don't I you know. have a nasa connection too i don't but i met somebody who works there oh, okay i thought and... we had talked about them he started listening to my show and I'm like, nobody listens to my show. I mean, people listen to my show, but like legit people like to just blow it off. And I just could never understand why he really listened to my show. And I thought maybe he's like keeping an eye on me. Yeah. Maybe wondering if you're going to say something about what he does. I know. So I'm not going to. I've always been wondering what he's up to. Exactly. He's looking at me. Eric, you're funny. Maybe he's just a loyal listener. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I'll never understand people that are Satan worshipers or any of that dark stuff. Because if you don't want to believe in God, I completely understand that. It's a hard thing to comprehend. It's a hard thing to accept. I don't know where I stand with it anymore these days. But why would you waste your energy and believe in something that's negative and bad and does nothing for you in any kind of good? I just don't get that. They have I met somebody who was one who was – she was – at the time, it's probably – I was in my 20s. She was a little bit younger than me. And she was, she started doing open mic uh, comedy shows. And she was, she called herself a Satanist. And she was one of the sweetest people that I knew in, in the uh, in the community. And from what she explained about it, it was more of a rebellion to authority than a commitment to an actual devil, at least for her purposes. I don't know about broadly, but that's how she explained it. Well, when you read about it, it says, they say that they kind of think God is bad because he gives us all these desires and then he tells us we can't fulfill them. But Lucifer, when they, they say, do as thou shalt or wilt or whatever is the whole of the law that you are allowed to satisfy those desires and that makes you happy. And it reminds me of that, that imaginary thing you played for me that Patrice was doing for what the end goal of Black Lives Matters is, was that you should just have all your needs and desires satisfied. And I remember thinking, mm-hmm. hmm, <laughs> that yeah. sounds weird. Right, yeah, yeah, it sounds familiar. I mean, I don't, I don't want to go there, but I just, that, I just thought that was, yeah, it did sound Interesting. <laughs> do you guys, uh, off, to, uh, off subject, do you guys have any people reaching out to you or any interest in yourselves for, uh, for hydroponics? Because I think that would be a good sponsor for you guys along with that um, oh, feed store. That's so interesting because I'm talking to somebody about letting them advertise his hemp stuff, but it's not actually hydroponics. And one thing I want to make sure that if we have people advertise, don't want them to step on each other's toes. Right. So it's good to know like what's what I know. I was thinking that survival stuff, prep stuff, guns, gold. What is that hydroponics? Hydroponics is basically farming your own food using, using fish and plants. 
in a, a simulated system that their bacteria and everything creates healthier plants and all kind of grows in a table type setup in a table pond or um <clears throat> just right. A, right so like the water feeds the, the water feeds the plant and the plants feed the fish yeah it's just one, it's one like big circle system. and yeah when i was growing up it was how you grew pot in your basement well <laughs> yeah well i mean it can be in terms of application of you want to ruin it, Monica? It can go that way too. <laughs> ruin it, or make it That's better, whichever. So, yeah. no, I'm, I'm very ruin pro it. marijuana. Yeah. The fish will be stoned though if it gets mixed up, and that'll be yeah. Yeah. You got to have a table for Don't fish come. and vegetables, and then your marijuana on the right on the side. Yes, yeah. but it is it. It always was a uh, that kind of a thing, so I could see how it all, it's all coming together. Yeah, a lot of people Full use circle. like tilapia, so you can eat the fish too. You can, you can benefit from the fish uh, eating them, and the fish benefit from processing your vegetables that you're growing or sweet potatoes. Whatever I just killed grow. nine of my ten fish, so I don't think I'm the candidate. In I didn't know. Is it in cold blood? Were, I didn't mean to. Oh, okay. I was, I was trying to establish. Are they in your backyard now? I'm no. not going to grow back. They're, they're <laughs> <in the laughs> toilet. But the person who was helping me set up the aquarium at the store just didn't. What? Just didn't. You know who you're talking to right now? Two fish guys. We're very fish experts. Really? Yep. I think, I well, I think I've got it now, <laughs> but only because there was complete death. What kind yep. of fish do you have? Well, they JP were. and I are to, uh, contemplating Look. opening our own fish store. That's where we're at. Okay. Don't laugh at me because it's pathetic, but I had a turtle. I found a turtle on the street and I gave it a home, Jeff. Hey. And then I found out he was a girl. I like so turtles. She was always depressed because her name was Jeff. But I had her for five years. I took care of her, even though she was mean and miserable and was angry. <laughs> then she ran away, which I guess is what she always wanted to do. And I interceded five years ago. So she just left. And then I had this tank, huge tank, 55-gallon tank. And I thought I would transition it over to fish and I wasn't up for the saltwater thing and my son who has down syndrome wanted little teeny African frogs mm. so I thought dwarf I do frogs. A, what yeah. are they little African dwarf frogs that yes are yeah yes and so you did they you don't even need a platform for them or anything they live right. on the bottom I got black gravel so they could be white and be so cute they just and shoot to the surface to get air and they, they're fully aquatic and yes, yeah, so it's freshwater and you kind of have to build up the aquarium. So mm -hmm. I had a list of the fish I wanted to get. I don't have it with me. But I was going to get like passive freshwater fish. So mm -hmm. I started with mollies and these little teeny tiny neon something and whatever. Yep. I just was building up with, from the cheap stuff to the expensive stuff. And good thing too, I didn't get the frogs yet because there was fish loss that's how mm. they said massive fish loss and they all died i think <laughs> of like a whitewash to me well, yeah. that's no, i didn't strategy. kill them i didn't kill them on purpose <laughs> anyway yeah. so the whole point was they it was the aquarium wasn't mature enough so the nitrites yeah. built up and they all mm -hmm. apparently suffocated on the bottom of the tank yep 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 that's may they rest in peace yep. i feel really bad so i'm working i on would it too now. At the end. The one survived so i named it hercules and then i got <laughs> another one and i named it canary because I just want to see the, the tank is ready yet. So Canary, Canary is oh still alive. It's, it's a guinea pig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you have any questions about that, hit us up, Monica. We can walk you through all that off air. Um, I got a fish question. All right, let's hear it. Friend of mine, We've really gone off the rails. A friend of mine <laughs> called me not long ago, and I won't say that he had – I won't say that he was really high. 
but <laughs> but he you know, might I have think been you dabbling could imply with by by what he was talking about. He called me and is like, me and so and so, one of my other friends, we were just talking about liberating our goldfish <laughs> and putting them back in Set the them free man behind the house because who, they shouldn't be. They should be free, man. And I'm like. That's probably a bad idea. It might destroy the ecosystem. I don't know, but I would consider looking it up before you did that. And they apparently were about to do it and decided not to at the last minute. Is this a dangerous thing to do? It's not dangerous. It's just very frowned upon in letting anything that's not native into oh, the water because of invasive yes. species. Yeah. They'll compete with other things that are native to that area, and it kind of throws off the ecosystem. Uh, goldfish are cold water fish, too, so they're not going to do too well in the summertime, but they'll, they'll go through the whole winter in New York or anywhere you're at because I keep them in my backyard year-round in uh, the Denver area. Um, but, yeah, you're not, you're not supposed to do that. For anybody listening, don't ever let anything go that's pet-related. Always donate it if you don't want it or donate it to a pet store or find somebody that will take it from you. Because the more that kind of stuff happens, you end up with a Florida situation in Florida. I just did an episode about this on my other podcast uh, with Jimmy Riffle from Gator Boys. uh, Florida is full of invasive species. Uh, The Oscars that you see in pet stores all the time, they used to get let go all the time. There's lakes full of Oscars now that are thriving. What's an Oscar? It's a fish that gets about over a foot long. Oh yeah, it's kind of like a, a sunfish and a bass mixed together. Dark it's a South body. American fish. So can from you South eat America. It? Yeah, you can eat it, but it's not that great. I'm sure people. Well, then do. forget it. How about those giant <laughs> frogs down there? Yeah, there's tegu, which are big uh, lizards that are like small monitors. There's chameleons, iguanas, everything out there that's uh, not from Aww. that area. Burmese pythons. They're all kind of affecting the ecosystem. So I mean, it's not it's not something that you should do. Actually, when I was a kid. I lived in the woods all the time going to look for animals and stuff because it's one of my biggest hobbies. I was using a dip net to catch stuff, and I pulled up a big gold, goldfish out of nowhere in a dirty Louisiana. Massive dip. one, right? Don't they get big? Yeah, they'll, they'll grow to their environment. They, they yeah. get a cutoff size depending on the species, but, yeah, they get pretty big, especially there's, koi. Yeah. There's two big ones that were living. There's a pond behind where my parents live that where they swam together all the time for 20 years. Wow. And then they were gone, but they were like massive. And from what I was told, they were goldfish. I, I don't know, but I, I was just baffled. They were always together and they lasted for so long. Yeah, they're, hard, they're very hardy, especially if they're in a, in a uh, cold water environment because they thrive in that. Yeah, I can cool. go. I can nerd out on animal. That's talk interesting. For a while. I know. <laughs> I, I, we can't we can't do that. But I, yeah. I do want to I want to talk more about my mollies <laughs> which anybody if anybody doesn't know that's about it, hit us up. <laughs> yeah. the most pathetic little fish on earth is the molly it's almost as you know what's cool as- about mollies though is that they're adaptable to saltwater or freshwater you could oh, put them really? in a very established saltwater aquarium and they'll they'll live completely fine in or pure freshwater well, I need to establish this aquarium before I yeah. start branching off into salt water. We know so, a lot of tricks on that. We can walk you through that. All right. We'll continue talking about this right after this. Hey, what's up, guys? With the world as crazy and unpredictable as it currently is, the time to start living a truly sustainable lifestyle, a lifestyle of rugged independence, is right now. And Neighbors Feed and Seed has everything you need to help you do just that. Small engine repair, garden supplies, vegetable plants, bird feed, chicken feed, premium pet food. Neighbors has it all. And right now, they want to give Propaganda Report listeners an opportunity to try one of their new products, Southern Nights CBD Oil, at a 20% discount. So go to NeighborsFeedAndSeed.com or visit the store in person if you live in the Smyrna area and use the promo code PROPREPORT. That's one word, all caps, P-R-O-P-R-E-P-O-R-T, and 
and you'll get 20% off of your CBD oil purchase. Look, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Neighbors Feed and Seed is a fantastic business ran by friendly, knowledgeable, liberty-minded people who bend over backwards to help their customers in any way that they can. Check it out. I promise you, you're going to love it. I want to make a quick correction. The promo code for the CBD oil is PROP, all caps, P-R-O-P, for the 20% discount. And if you want 10% off a Garden Starter Seed Pack, use the promo code PROPREPORT, all caps, one word, for a 10% discount. And neighbors still have some baby chicks if you need some chicks. Okay, There's something that Plato wrote, through, the Socrates allegedly said about fish in, I think it's called Feta. What, the, the story where Socrates is dying and everybody's coming to see him and he's talking about it. And to me, it is a, it's a comment on the nature of reality. And he's explain, he's, Socrates is talking about the next life, what comes after this. And I think there's multiple ways to, to think about what he said. But, and I'm not going to say it near as poetically as it's said in there. But basically, he's talking about how fish, the sky for fish is the water above them. So the oxygen that we breathe many of them don't even know exist. They don't even know what, like their whole reality is the top of the water and that we have a top of the water in, in our environment. And we don't know what, what exists above that and above that and above that. And you don't know what, what I don't know, four or five dimensional. It's just, we yeah. just are so clueless to what exists outside of us is what I took away from it. That's really was- cool. Way to bring it back to Binkley. Yeah, I love it. I was trying to figure out the God thing and I went back to them, to like the Greeks and before I said, have we made any progress on answering this question? Because if nobody's made any progress since Socrates, I'm not wasting my time. I'll live the way I think makes sense, but I'm not going to try to crack the code. And and Socrates and those guys had the bet. They were saying the same thing I kind of was thinking. I mean, obviously... Before, you know, they started it and I, that's is the limits of our thinking is probably still defined by the Greeks, but yeah, I totally, I, I don't think we've gotten any further than those insights. They're fantastic. Yeah. And I think we're prevented from getting further because they took all that philosophy out of the public school system. The elites in their boarding schools, the, or they teach the organizers, we're taught to follow orders. They're taught to give orders and organize people. They learn all of the philosophies. They learn all of the rhetoric and also we're prevented from going deeper than those guys went because anytime we get a chance to think and reflect on reality and ourselves, we fucking lock our brains into Netflix, which was invented by the nephew of Edward Bernays, the father of propaganda. Yeah. We just get, so we don't, we, we, we run from reflection in modern society. They had to live in reflection because they didn't have the type of distractions that we have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The distractions is a huge thing. I try to tell my kids, and I would say, I would add that not only can we not build on it, we're, we're regressing from that. But one of the rules for my kids with the phones, which I didn't get them phones till they were like 13, which was a good thing, but still wasn't, I should have just never get it, gotten it for them. They don't even like it. It's like rules their lives. But the one thing I always said is you don't use the phone. You cannot use the phone in my car. Car is where you talk to each other and look out the window and think, and the kitchen. I, I want them to focus on food. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know fair. what I mean. Like you really like both eat of those. And never think. But I just thought you have to have time where you can think. And the car was when I would always just look out the window and talk to my dad, 
and just think and go on real long rides. Even you could do that is really valuable. I think that's, but that's really good. I'm going to divert it. I'm going to use that in our house as well. And I'm going to, the kids can thank Aunt Monica for that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I used I had Put a big, your iPads away. We're going for a ride. I had a big like big gulp cup in the car, and you get in the car, you got to put your phone in the big gulp cup. I mean, it wasn't full of big gulp. <laughs> it was yeah. an empty big gulp cup. One of but the it, yeah. yeah. One of the last sanctuaries of thought and reflection that it's always so refreshing to me because you have a few minutes away from your phone and you actually can like synthesize stuff that you've just been like thinking about and looking at is the shower. And they are starting to have more and more, like you never have a clearer head than when you step out of the shower and it's like, all right, but then you just, then all the devices Very and everything true. comes back. And pretty soon it's going to be a brand new shower with a built-in uh, iPad right there. And you can just never be away from your device yep. anywhere you go. Absolutely. I heard Man, my daughter in the shower today and I thought, I thought to myself, like I heard a, a text coming through and I thought, can they text from the shower yet? Like, could she be communicating? I was knocking on her door. Technically, you could. My wife just bought me yeah. this little uh, smartwatch. I forgot what it was called, Fitbit. And it it's waterproof. So I can get texts if I was in the shower with my watch on. Wow. So that's that creepy. That sucks. Yeah, I would never do that. I'm just saying it's possible. <laughs> right, right, right. No, I'm sure my kids will do it. You, you guys take the phone in the bathroom with you? Personal question? Not answering that question. That's a yes. But yeah, I I, I I I carry my phone. I know and we I, all do. It's just I look at it sometimes, and I go, I go, get the fuck off your phone, you fucking idiot, and then I'll stay on it. <laughs> like, you know, it's just like an internal battle. It's tough. Yeah. Have you gone recently without your phone? How and experienced how weird that is? I had an experience, and this was ten years ago. The first iPhone that I had. I was at, I was at a, uh, an improv show, and I was talking to somebody, and it flew out of my hand, and it broke. And I was, I, anxiety overwhelmed me. It's crazy. But then the next day, I felt liberated. Yeah, you're on Like yeah. two or three days until I got the new one, it was, it felt so good that I was almost dreading getting the new phone. Yeah. It's crazy, man. The world we live in, we, we rely on these things so much. And I went to the bathroom recently. I'm not going to go in detail because that's, that's <laughs> Patreon material, but, um, <laughs> I didn't have my phone. It was charged. And I was like, man, what the hell? I don't have a book nearby. I'll just go and read my thoughts. And I went and I was like, well, oh, this is really weird. This is, this is a flashback to like 10 years ago when it was completely normal, but man, we are so connected. It's, it's ridiculous. Dude, I'm that weirdo yeah, that grabs yeah. a shampoo bottle or something. And I'm like, what, what's in shampoo? Like what exactly <laughs> is in shampoo? And I read that. Do cashews grow out of shampoo? <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. I gotta know. Yeah. Finally, bring that up JP. Uh, during our break, we had a quick discussion about cashews and, um, JP blew all of our minds and you guys can write in if you think it's real or not. Tell us JP. Cashews grow out of apples. You heard that's, that. That's, cashew that's apple. All, I mean, I had no idea. It's crazy. You, know, you get one cashew per apple. And I believe that's why cashews are so expensive. Wow. What? If you don't believe it, like I don't, oh, and you cool. want to challenge JP, email us truth or theory podcast um, at gmail.com. Contact yeah. the propaganda report. <laughs> yeah. I didn't believe it when he pulled it up on his phone, but I pulled it up on my phone yeah, and it looks real. It. Did you go on DuckDuckGo or Google? That is damn freaky. <laughs> I do only Google on my phone because DuckDuckGo, you can't share it from my, from my app anyway. You yeah. can't share it. But oh, I wanted important. to say something about not being with your phone. Larry Hagman took Sundays off of talking. 
think he had like a franchise. From Hagman and Hagman? Is that who you're talking about? Larry Hagman from I Dream of Genie. Oh, Dallas. sorry. That's, that's different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he had a problem with his vocal cords, I guess, and he needed to give them a break or he chose to give them a break on Sundays. So he did not speak on Sundays. And I've thought about, and I may follow through with it, no electronics or no, yeah, nothing like that. No social media, nothing on Sundays just to see what that's like. But I have to say for our, because we do a daily show, it's very hard for me to get a show together without in the middle at night when everybody else is asleep, I have to spend an hour on Twitter and on the news and I have to, but then, you know, everybody has that problem. So I say, I say the same stuff too, but is it, is it excuses that we're making for ourselves or is it? No, it's, we were plugged into it on purpose that way. You can't function economically without it. Oh yeah. We have no choice. It's the technological slavery and it's real and it's intentional on their part. Yeah. I grew up in a cult. I've said it uh, in previous episodes and stuff. So my religion that I grew up in, we were not allowed to do any kind of electronical stuff on Saturdays. That was our Sabbath. We weren't allowed to talk loud. We had to be quiet. We couldn't visit our friends. We had to kind of just stay and rest and stay low. Um, So that was torture as a hyper kid with a family full of siblings and stuff. But um, that in the hindsight that the religion is bullshit and all the crap that we did, we all learned from it. But that Sabbath mentality, I think, would actually benefit a lot of families. I thought that too. It was called the Worldwide Church of God. It's no longer around. I don't think it may be still a little bit in California um, where it originated, but um, it was really strong in the 70s and 80s and fizzled out in the early 90s. The the head guy that that ran it um, passed away, and then his son kind of took the reins with it, and his son started to question things with it and changed a lot of the fundamentals so a lot of the old school guys started to get offended that they were changing fundamental stuff and it caused a big cancer in it what was the value why were people in it it was basically a jehovah witness jewish type uh, religion a lot of a lot of qualities from those religions and uh we were not allowed to eat pork any unclean meat crustaceans all that kind of stuff not allowed to celebrate birthdays (laughs) christmas oh yeah jehovah's witness to that do you did you have did you did money change hands? Like, where was the value? Did you have to do business with only each other? Like, there's always, always there was, seems to me. A yeah, there was a lot value. of, was a, there was a lot of tithing going on with it, uh, big time. Um, the whole premise of their, the religion was that we were living in a world right now to serve God later on, the world tomorrow, basically. That's the afterlife. And um, everything that we're supposed to be doing now is to uh, benefit that and go to that and acknowledge it. It's strange. I don't know. I was a little kid during it. So well, any, any I'm learning it as an adult. For the most interesting. Yeah. yeah. Can do that. Mm. There's a lot of us yeah. out there, man. There's a lot of ex worldwide church of gods out really? there. <laughs> Cause when the we would go yeah. to these oh, gatherings, yeah. there were thousands of people in different States meeting together. So I know there's a lot of people out there. I've looked it up on YouTube and there's kids that grew up in it. Like me, that were a little bit older and talking about how it ruined their lives and social lives. And oh, we, it could, did. we couldn't yeah. play sports because all the sports for the most part had a lot to do with Saturdays and we weren't allowed to do anything on Saturdays. So is that what Julian Assange was a part of maybe? Oh, I don't know. I have to look. He definitely had connections with the family, which was a big cult. Yeah. What's interesting to me about a lot of these, about these cults is a psychology that underlies getting the masses of people together. 
we could equate a lot of what's going on right now with whether it's people who are wholeheartedly in a religious fashion dedicated to QAnon or people who are wholeheartedly in a religious fashion dedicated to the Black Lives Matter organization or activist type of mentality and that just the way they're able to get so many people with different beliefs and conflicting interests underneath one umbrella to push an agenda that they might not even understand but they just kind of fall at the whims of their leaders. That, that psychology has always fascinated me, the way yeah. that they're able to do that. Same here. I've always felt that way about Hitler too. Like yeah. how the hell did he convince everybody <laughs> to follow him and all his bullshit? And it's, it's he followed our model, around our us. propaganda model. Yeah. Edward Bernays, like Edward Bernays admits that the part of the Nazi propaganda campaign was based on his books. Mm. Freud was Austrian. It's not like it was mm-hmm. foreign to them. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh, wow. uh, Monica, which, can you tell me a little bit about Albert Einstein and what he did to you? Because so, <laughs> I brought it up the I, other day and I forgot that you had some uh, interesting opinions on it. I really want to know more about it. There's a few <laughs> things that I, I didn't like about Einstein. One, he was a pacifist. So I'm, I'm, I subscribe to the non-aggression principle, but I'm not a pacifist. A pacifist has to basically... I mean, somebody could harvest your kidneys and you couldn't put your hands up to stop them. That's a pacifist. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that either. Yeah, and he said in when World War I came along that those soldiers should sit down, lay down their arms, even if their own guys went and shot them in the back for doing that. I think I have read, I'm not positive it's true or not, but that Winston Churchill, one of his jobs was maybe in the Boer War or whatever, if people were not going to go up and over and like meet certain death, he would shoot them, his own people, That was his job. That's what they would do because the soldiers just would stop going after too many got slaughtered. Somebody had to be back in the trenches shooting them. Now, it couldn't have been World War I for Churchill to have that role, but in a previous war, maybe. And even if it wasn't him, somebody did it. So Albert Einstein was of the mind that you should do that if you had to die for it, pacifism, die for pacifism. And then when the Nazis came... He, he advocated war because that was affecting him personally. Okay. And then, and then I don't another, like him and, now either. <laughs> yeah, that was annoying to me. So, I mean, not that I'm, I don't want to argue about the merits of that war. I'm just saying right. he was saying there is absolutely no circumstance. He was telling people to take a bullet to the head for his principles, but <laughs> even remotely, he wasn't willing to take that. And then he was also personally affected i think at that time he lost all citizenship so he was a man without a country and then he was kind of floating around no passport it's that's a very interesting problem you could have and he then advocated completely against nation states and wanted only a world government they should never be a person without a citizenship everyone should just have world citizenship and nothing else and then the state of Israel wanted his consent, his imprimatur, his validation or whatever, approval for establishing the state of Israel. So he made an exception. He's mm-hmm. like, well, we should have the state of Israel, which I'm sure he could get a passport from. He would have been so, roasted on Twitter if he was around when Twitter was around. <laughs> for, for he would have been, yeah. So that, it would so have canceled just, him. Yeah, we would me, have canceled him for all this crap. 
Didn't he, yeah. isn't he allegedly, wasn't he abusive to his wife? And I've heard theories that his wife or one, I don't know how many wives he had, but one of his wives, if he had more than one, was one of his partners in research and was respon- largely responsible for uh, some of his discoveries and that she got no credit for them. I don't know about that. He married his first wife who was mentally ill and ended up in an insane asylum. His parents did not want him to marry her. And I, she might even have been a cousin. Before they yeah. married, though, I believe, I believe it was her, they had a baby, which they gave up for adoption because they were not yet married. So I wonder who that crazy oh, little Einstein baby yeah. is running around. Wow. But That's the, my heritage, guys. That's why it all... You're the crazy little Einstein baby. <laughs> yeah, That's why I'm so way, damn smart. Yeah. Way too young for that but, and yeah. not, not quite crazy enough. But uh, the, the, the last thing that I didn't, that I don't like about him, that, so that was just profound hypocrisy. If you're going to, if you have that kind of influence and you're going to tell people to give their lives and destroy nations and everything... Right. You should have to, you should have the courage to live by that. But he also had another thing, which I thought was kind of funny that he, that he did not believe in free will. He just, he was a fatalist. He thought he believed in fate. He thought we were just like programmed. And I actually had this question when I was a kid, which is why it fascinated me so much when I read about this, I always wondered, and I would ask my dad probably in the car, if, all the laws of math and physics were known and the position of all the atoms and molecules, atoms in the universe was known. Could you predict the future? I just didn't know the answer to that. And, and I think the answer in a world with God would be no, because that would be fatalistic. And he believed that uh, so he was a fatalist. He thought the answer to that question was yes. So when quantum physics came along and said the observer expects the observed that you cannot actually even predict what's going to happen in the box with the cat in it or whatever, that, and you know, you know, like that sounds familiar, right? To you that you can't, the observer affects the observed. So you can't know what the outcome is going to be. It's going to be different if somebody's measuring that changes and he refused to accept quantum physics because it would imply free will, which it does. Mm. That, that's just, interesting. I feel like that's very unscientific to yeah. reject something he seems based very, on your uh, prejudices. Right. He's got a lot of selfish intentions in all his things that he did. <laughs> Talk to seems like to me. Walk the walk. Yeah. He said something that relates a lot to what's going on right now he was an influencer. We, we have these influencers on social media. Einstein was an influencer back in the day. And the Committee on Public Information, the first mass scale organized propaganda committee in the United States, not in the world, but in the United States, one of the strategies and one of the strategies, strategies that Edward Chase emphasized was you find the influencers that can influence the biggest groups and most cross-sectional groups in society you influence them you make them true believers they in turn then influence the masses so you can do that either through forceful coercion through blackmail we've read the uh, oss cia manuals they love using blackmail they love compromising people to get them to do these things whatever way you need to do it you get them to do it and right now we're seeing all these influencers like jimmy kimmel purging himself initially 
Jenna Marbles yeah. on YouTube, if you know who she is, one of the biggest original YouTubers purging herself. People are coming out and they're pointing out their own what they are saying. I was a racist at this point in time, so I'm stepping down and I'm do, mm-hmm. trying to model what their followers will do and influence their followers' beliefs. Einstein, at that point in time, would have been a target of the propagandists to, you're an influencer, so we need to get him whatever way we can to push our agenda and our messages. So I wonder if he was either complicit knowingly or unknowingly with a propaganda campaign back in, uh, back in the day. Maybe. He did say one thing, which I always thought was weird. His was the theory of relativity, and he kind of makes everybody – believe in subjectivism like you just kind of use that in the back of your mind like everything is relative and he said later that he kind of wishes he had named it the theory of non-relativity because he he's it, it wasn't relative it was actually objective it's just that the relationships uh, had that extra element to it i think you know the mm. space-time continuum that gravity can spend can bend space-time so he said that it, it actually does not justify this idea that things are mutable and relative. It's the opposite. And I always wondered why, you know, it always seemed to me that that title was kind of propaganda, a kind of way to negate what he discovered by making it feel like the implication was different. I, I would have brushed up on it had I known. Yeah, this was I'm gonna sorry. Be I threw that last minute. <laughs> <laughs> I just but, I was curious because I don't I really don't know much about him. I forgot I've forgotten all the stuff that I've learned about him early on and I really he's a weird hair scientist is all I remember. Yeah. Now yeah, I can't he, stand that, him. That was a super <laughs> cool thing with the with the space time continuum. I he's just dead to me. He's dead to me. And, <laughs> but yeah, he's I, yeah. I don't know. I mean I don't I'm not even mad at him or anything, but I just feel I like eh. I love the time travel aspect of that. The, the idea, I don't know. I am not smart enough to understand that, but they're like, he said you can bend space time and travel through these wormholes or whatever. I'm like, that's cool. And I, it's also I scary. That kind of goes to my idea of a cloaking device that you can, that if you can project onto your front, what's happening behind your back, you could have a cloaking device. Mm-hmm. And I think that was how they saw like they could see. That's could definitely kinda, real. Yeah. The mirror. That, the mirroring of like your surroundings, basically, to make stealth camo. Oh, really? DARPA's yeah. like been working I on shit like that. that. I think that's been around for a while now. <laughs> I invented that when I was watching Star Trek when there I was you a little go. kid. It's like you I know how they could do it. You had one of those those people, the CIA agents, with a radio wave from a tower targeting your thoughts, and they're that like, "Could be a, No, I know what I thought of it is when they had the. <laughs> I, you probably don't remember this. There was rear projection TVs. Oh yeah. yeah. And I was like, "Oh, that's how you could do it." Yeah. And you're saying they it's a do real it? thing. Yeah, it's a real thing. It's out there. It's been out there since it's been out to the public since the uh, late 90s, but it's been around longer than that, I'm sure. So that the implications of that right there. So if it's been out to the public and I've seen stuff about it, I, like every now and then, whatever, like wild hair type of idea, like you know, whether, whether it's like invisibility or uh yeah. transportation, I'll always mm-hmm. search that. And then I'll do a, if you put it in quotes and you put plus DARPA. So everything with DARPA that shows, or I'll search just the DARPA website, and inevitably there's always just all, like they've been fucking investigating this shit for decades and developing this technology. So if we're aware of it, that makes me believe that they've been aware of it for far fifty years probably. So yeah. there's probably people walking around with invisibility cloaks we are so unaware of. And once you get an invisibility cloak, do you leave it in the closet? Do you leave that advantage away from you? 
or do you exploit I'm it? Sure you stalk your wife. Right. Yeah, they have exactly. Pocket sized travel versions of it now. <laughs> Probably yeah. like a watch. You just press a button and it yeah. kind of creates a dome over you. And Could be happening right now. There's yeah. probably one of them behind all of us. I was right going to say, like, we, we all have our chat, our, the guys who are, I mean, I don't, I don't know if they're that important, yeah. but someday <laughs> they'll be able to do that. Maybe you See, guys, not us. <laughs> that's the beauty We're of the pure, pure surveillance is that they could not do it when it had to be human. So they invented Google. So we would kind of do it to ourselves and jam it into a digitized thing that mm-hmm. can easily categorize, yeah. you know, and that's what's, yes. I have we are surveilling ourselves. Yeah. We're taking selfies of us committing crimes, people doing that. They're With, surveilling themselves and each other. Unlimited capacity. Once you can convert it to zeros and ones, you can store it and yeah. retrieve it. Automatically defaults to the cloud. It's a setup, yeah. man. Whereas analog would be impossible to search. Mm-hmm. Pokemon Go, that popular game. Oh, that yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, that did it. Uh, supposedly TikTok is doing it now, too, because it's a um, shit. I don't, I don't want to say TikTok is so weird. Yeah, it's bizarre. To me, I think it's pedophile bait. Like, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's all younger kids. Girls. No, my, my girls will never be allowed to go on TikTok. Um, but, yeah, it's all young girls that are constantly following the trend of the next thing, which I'm, they're doing it harmlessly, but there's a lot of bad intentions behind TikTok. And supposedly the software itself is stealing a lot of data, and it's already been proven that it was stealing data. Yeah. All of your, what, all of your phone what? information. That location, there's a location company that plugs into, I think it it's run runs 300 apps, something like that. And they said, well, Google and Apple won't, won't do COVID tracking without your permission, but for the good of society, we're going to take all the location data we've been gathering from these 300 apps. I didn't know that they just took it. I mean, yeah. I should have known, but they do. But somebody Terms and about, conditions, nobody wants to read it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that's true. Well, because you're not. What are you going to do? You're going to not. Who wants to read stuff. that crap? <laughs> but, and, and gonna, yeah, we're it's done, written right? in robot to discourage you from reading it, and it's super repetitive and long. There's also the angle of, and in the terms of services or whatever. I know that there's some conditions where it's like maybe you're not going to give up the data or information, but they could go to somebody who's on your network that you've communicated with a lot and do the whole idea that it's your choice. If you go, there's a book called how we advertised America. And if you read Edward Bernays material, you can see the way that they do this. It's framed in, well, it's your choice. It's your choice, but it's never really your choice. It's, it's, it's your choice to choose to do what we are saying that you need to do, or you're going to be smeared. Basically, maybe, or maybe even, you know, you just disappear. So it's set up as your choice and then they choose it when they go along with it, but they go to somebody, you know, and they convince them it's their patriotic duty to let them invade their phone and look at all the text message and they get all that information from you via somebody else's phone. And you can't function economically without that stuff. So it's kind of your choice, but it's not. I mean, that's why I go back to saying we need a farm and yeah. a tree because that's the yeah. only way i think that's the choice. answer to most of this crap is this we're, we're just going to be forced to disconnect and have to uh get back to our roots to keep our sanity and our freedom otherwise we are going to get brainwashed into becoming cyborgs and totally surveilled someone was yep. telling me about this netflix i love it i love your lights um someone's telling that? me about <laughs> netflix didn't your lights just go on oh did they we have uh some little led lights that kind of glow and Supposed to make oh, a, I feel like your lights are. It was a signal. 
And I was like, okay, I think I you guys, as your camera focuses on automatic, like my camera, so I think the lights, the, it makes the lights change when the automatic focus kicks in and out, I think. But oh, it okay. looks really cool. Oh, <laughs> it yes. looks really cool. Yeah. It's all planned. I thought, I thought it was a signal. <laughs> a signal to me. But I, let me just tell you the Netflix video and then I'll, I'll take the cue. But the Netflix video was something like he murdered a cat. I don't know. Did you hear about oh, this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't, don't, don't mess What's with it cats called? Or something like that. Don't yeah, don't mess with cats. with cats. Something like that. Yeah. And my hairdresser, who I love, he's at the stage where it's like when people loved the uh, making a murderer or something. Oh, I love this. Oh, show. you're going to love this. It totally I outs. It. <laughs> what? You hate it? I've never it? seen it. Yeah, it was, it was good. It was? Probably fake, but it was good. I just anything that's in the mainstream, I am totally skeptical of. I'm like, I'm they're not giving this so that I'm getting educated on how things really work. I mean, I want to be educated on how things really work, but they're doing it to get me the wrong idea of how things work yeah. or something. You tell us that when we had you on our podcast one on one, and ever since you've said that, it's stuck in my head. I'm like, man, that's a really interesting way to look at things, and it makes me skeptical to want to jump into all everything that's getting pushed out real hard. So um, yeah, you might I avoid be something it. there. Yeah, and or just look at it that way, and then if there's a if the official narrative does make sense, even with a little veil of skepticism, then that's great. But he was telling me about this: don't mess with cats. And he's like, "Oh, they they saved, you know, they caught this asshole by looking at all the little hints that were in the backgrounds of his videos." And and I said, you know, they're just convincing you. It's what what I coined recently, and it's just it's such a great term: sacrificial wolves. They take the biggest asshole they can find and they make him the victim of what they want to do to you. So you say, oh, yeah, you should totally look at everything people record and determine what they're doing. If there's a gun in the background or maybe they're mean to their kids or maybe they're not wearing a mask or maybe they're conspiracy theorists or whatever. Yeah. And you've already committed to, well, we're allowed to do that for the right reasons. Because this mm -hmm. asshole needs to be stopped. Wow, wolf. that's yeah, that's a really interesting yeah. take on it. Wow. Ooh. Yeah, we're all getting we're getting programmed left and right, <laughs> nonstop. I I the ask. mask you said made me think about a thought that I had earlier with the mask because the more and more every day I see more people wearing the black mask of Biden, the one he initially demonstrated, and. I think the narrative is being set up, maybe not expressly, but implicitly in the way that people react to these, these symbols. We were talking the other day about how it's gonna, it might even reach a point where they just remove Biden and you just vote for the black mass down the Democrat party line. And it seems to be setting up in the frame of the black mask of Biden versus the white face of Trump. That wow. seems to be the baskets oh, they're categorizing people underneath. Yeah. Damn, that's, yeah, that's really interesting. Damn, a lot of bombs being dropped on this episode. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I, I didn't. I haven't. I didn't hear that one yet, Binkley. That that one just came to me last That's night. Good. I was thinking about this. Yeah, yeah. It's this, it's it. Yeah. The the debate alone that's coming up is going to be so entertaining if you just step aside all the actual outcome of everything. Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. <laughs> Does he wear a mask during the debate? He's. I wonder. He's going to have to to stick to his bullshit. I mean, yeah, you're going to have to. Yeah, right. He'll probably Trump will be the one around not neck, wearing it, and then the the um, interviewer will be oh. wearing one, and Biden yes. is wearing one. Sister, that way sister, it segregates segregates even more. Go I ahead, Monica. Great sorry. idea. 
<laughs> no, I'm sorry. If you, you've got to squeeze a word in or you never will. I just never <laughs> stop. But if, if, they, if they want him to wear his mask over his face and he does that and speaks into the microphone and then his answers are lucid, they can be oh. like, oh, it wasn't really him answering the questions. Yeah, that's yeah, the very- Yeah, of a dialectic. Yeah, because he it is will be very him. not- because he's faking yeah wow he's faking being stupid so he could really answer the questions correctly behind the mask and then i mean story becomes conspiracy theorists QAnon are saying that it wasn't biden behind the mask is i think so i mean i know that's just silly but i I feel like that's just the kind of thing that'll come out yeah wow and that's what they look for. That is what like, we've been talking about Marxism because that co-founder said she's, an, she's a Marxist. And when you look at the stuff going on, they're Marxist tactics. And well, you know, Marxism is a vehicle for power. It's a vehicle to obtain power using Marxist type appeals of, of oppressor versus the oppressed. But they look for every conflict that they can amplify and identify villains and victims and that is like everything that comes out of it right now is the conspiracy theorist is part of the villain category. And anyway, so this is how they can indulge people in interesting theories while, while then demonizing them. And I think that as crazy as that sounds, that actually could happen. Like, yeah. I think it could yeah. happen. Cause it's Absolutely. just stupid enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. It's like the the debate is going to be so fucking stupid. Really is. I mean, they just have to dumb shit down. That's like the Tiger King. Has to be a dramatic takeaway from it. So so the drama has to continue to at least be on par. On par, escalate. On par, escalate. We get a break when it dips, so that we don't lose our 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 our, you know lose our minds. Unless they want us to really break down in society, then they don't even give us a break, and we haven't had much one. So. The debates have to have a level of drama that either equals or exceeds what we've been seeing. They'll probably scream at each other, but have you all seen Idiocracy? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is, we have really, we, who, who, I'm, President Camacho is definitely <laughs> next. The Rock was considering running. I'm like, okay, he's actually way too smart to be President Camacho, but... We're getting there. <laughs> the Rock and Jocko Willick. <laughs> yeah, who who do you guys think is going to be Biden's vice? Who do you think he's going to choose? And do you think Hillary is going to actually stay out of this election? I, the, the the choice of VP is it's starting to look like it's going to be Kamala. The way that she's being promoted by by the media. I, there was a while I thought it would be Stacey Abrams. I I do now think Stacey Abrams is pushing hard to is advocating for the vice presidency so that she could say that she wasn't chosen and that she was victimized because that is how she, that is how she builds her power is being a victim. And mm-hmm. so I think by pushing hard for something that she knows she's probably not going to get, she's setting herself up to gain more power. If Biden loses, I told him I tried to go in there. He didn't pick me. And I think that Kamala is just, she seems to be the choice that they want to, to be with her, be with him. And I think it's going to be Kamala. That's how I think it's going to be right now. What do you think? That's a good one. I mean, the thing of why Stacey Abrams is pushing, uh, the, what you're saying is more in line with how she operates. There's a chance that they're doing it that way, that they're having her take it yeah. as a model for how you take what you want and yeah. that 
they will give her the VP as a reward for never letting go and just demanding it come what may. So I, I feel like she's definitely in line. I, I mean, a good possibility. Let's assume that whoever is the VP is slated to, I think it's scripted. So I think they know whether it's going to be Biden or Trump. So it matters. The answer to that question matters who's his VP candidate, because if it's actually somebody who's going to be president, and I don't think in, let's say, January 2024, I think neither Trump nor Biden will be president. So whatever happens, I do not think that person will end up the term. But Kamala, the reason I think it might be if it's the person that's supposed to actually be president, you need somebody smart enough to hold yes. the ideas in their head, which Stacey could do and Kamala could do. I'm not sure about bottoms. Kamala Knights Templar Harris. Yes. Because she has the connections to the She's Knights a lawyer, Templar, like the which ones we talk about. Yeah. Trained as lawyers can usually remember stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, I was thinking about this uh, last night and this is if from the perspective of, I say communist, I'm going to say communist subversion again, Communism, there's true believers, and then there's the people who organize communists that use those appeals as a vehicle to power and to dictatorship of, you know, probably a collection of dictators worldwide. But one of the, the tactics that they used to subvert Lenin at one of the communist international conferences, they went full out. We're not going to approach people anymore as open communists because it scares people. So the way that we're going to obtain power, and this is Marxist Leninism, is we are going to use pure deception. We're going to co-op progressive organizations because, and he lays out the targets and the reason why they target certain people because they didn't have, have a father figure. So you can step in and you can present as a father figure and influence them and, and win them over psychologically. So they target groups that they feel that they can psychologically logically subvert and then as they take over these organizations and mid-level organizations across the country which i think we're seeing with george soros funding the district attorney races and stuff everywhere funding the voter registration and stuff um so they they get in there and then once they get in there and they take over then they start purging people who don't go along with their program so when people start speaking up wait a minute i thought we were going after this bam you're probably going to get purged this is a big what if speculation. Joe Biden is compromised. His family is compromised. Monica, you've highlighted the stuff that they don't really talk about in the media. Uh, um, his son has a lot of shady deals, a legit shady I think deals. This is all about keeping him out of jail and everybody who's in on his stuff, Epstein style, mm -hmm. that it looks like a political witch hunt when it's really just he should be in jail. Yes. Oh, wow. so, so let's say, yeah, let's say he makes a deal. Uh, the communists, they subvert outside of the structure and they subvert inside. of the it's, it's a dual process that they use. So they destabilize outside while they have somebody in the inside trying to co-op while wearing the colors of another, like whether they're Democrat or progressive. So they're trying to get to the top and co-op. So using both strategies. So we see all the protests and everything going on. And Black Lives Matters is an organization. It's an activist organization that has a brilliant name that inoculates it from criticism. It's no different from like Indivisible or one of those other ones, but it just Greta has it had very good branding is what they have done. So let's say Biden makes a deal with the people who represent the communist or uh, the Marxist organization. And they're like, all right, we're going to push Biden. We're going to get Biden in because he is our best way to get the public to support, to support us. 
and we see him kind of deteriorating and we see people, they're like, oh my gosh, they'll support this guy who we, he just goes out there and says the 120 million people died of COVID, which is crazy and not even true. And people are still supporting him despite the fact that he's acting obviously like he has dementia, even if he's acting, that's like, they'll freaking vote for an empty suit. We can mind control them. They'll do anything. Um, so they get him in there knowing that they have this power and then they slip in Abrams, they slip in whoever else and they, he gets selected. And then Monica, I think you, you alerted me to the idea that they're the vice president getting becoming president without being unelected if they join Biden. And that is, that is actually a tactic that you can read in like communist type writings of getting into power without being nominated, without being voted in. Dick Cheney. Yeah. Yeah, And what do you mean, Dick Cheney? Well, I'm saying Biden just he ends up something. Maybe he goes and lives on an island. No, but, or something, but takes look him at out. the Nixon thing. This is this is the parallel is that Nixon was took Spiro Agnew as his VP, and he Nixon was Bush's the Bush family's guy, mm-hmm. and they wanted him to take somebody else as VP, and he wouldn't. He took Spiro Agnew. So when Watergate was coming down, which was a coup against Nixon, it was Nixon getting taken out. They couldn't shoot him in the head because they already did that with JFK. So they had to take him out, but Agnew was his guy. So they had to take Agnew out. Agnew did not fall from Watergate. People don't realize that. Spiro Agnew, they targeted him for some bribery scandal or something, which he didn't do. And I read his autobiography, which was, it was titled, Go Quietly or Else. They told him to go quietly or else. And he got out and Gerald Ford was put in as the VP who was not elected to the office of VP. And then when Nixon was taken out, Gerald Ford was the president, never elected, only president we ever had who was never elected. And his vice president, this is what happens when you take the vice president they give you, Nelson Rockefeller, then they tried to kill Gerald Ford a couple of times. Hmm. They they tried a couple of times to kill him. This stuff is very fascinating to me, the dynamics of the way they try to- George Bush tried to- A friend of George Bush's family tried to kill Reagan. Yeah. What I said by Dick Cheney, I just meant that he ran the show behind yeah, he, Bush. Yeah. Yes, but he was elected as vice president. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm talking about totally unelected. So if Kamala gets in on day two, she puts somebody in as vice president who maybe could never get elected, like he's saying. Maybe it's mm. uh, Van Jones. She puts Van Jones as, as the VP. And then she just steps down or whatever. You know, something happens yeah. to her. That's what happened. That's how Gerald Ford became president. He was never elected. And that's how you could have somebody so radical. It couldn't even pass muster in this deteriorated society. You could still get somebody even too crazy, too far outside the Overton window for, for us. There's so much chaos going on nationwide with the protest and the different issues that they're, they have a Rolodex of issues they use to keep people agitated. Solinsky talks about this. You got to keep switching the issues up to keep the uh, outrage fresh. And so we're starting to, we see COVID and we see the, sh- the police shootings. Now we're starting to see hashtag me too again. Now we're starting to see them merging all of them together into all being related to race. And we are so distracted, overwhelmed. And in a lot of ways, people are scared that they there's so much that is going on that is so easy to miss and follow behind the scenes that we are in some strange times. I don't know. I don't know where it's going. I don't know what history is going to write about this, but this is this is definitely a turning point, I think. And it's it's a bizarre time in history. It really is. September 9th, Hillary's trial is going to be interesting, too. 
What's that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> September 9th. Yeah, she's going on trial. She has to answer for all the emails, apparently. I don't know how far, how in-depth that's actually going to go, if it's protected or not or what, but that's interesting. Wait, say that again. Hillary's going on trial on September 9th? Yeah. Is that a Q thing? Yeah. <laughs> I, it's not. I, I'm a Q guy uh, outside. Right, uh, not JP's real. not. I think he's – I don't want to speak for you, but – uh, I think she's really supposed to be going on trial on September 9th to answer for the emails. But this isn't and Benghazi, like all that stuff in the New York Times yet. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's not a court date. I thought it was, but if okay, you guys right. don't know, no, I don't asking, know how valid it is. I think I heard something about her being said. There wasn't much news on it. I did hear something about that, but I didn't look into it much further. Yeah. Well, I keep hearing about it. I don't know how legit it is now. You guys don't know about it. That makes me a little skeptical. She could very well go on trial. The thing that I worry about when they go on trial, Monica, and you bring this up a lot, is they go on trial for the purpose of being exonerated so that they can bury all the, all their, all the stuff they did up and make it look like they, they're innocent and they walk scot-free. Ooh, that's interesting, too, as far as the election goes, because it's right before. Yeah, September 9th is such an interesting date, too, the numerology yeah. of it. Absolutely. Nine nine twenty twenty. Just two days before September eleventh, too. Which not only did the, yeah. the towers come down, Hillary fell down in what twenty sixteen. That's mm -hmm. the day that she nine nine twenty sixteen. She collapsed on twenty nine nine twenty sixteen. It was nine eleven. It's two days off, but still. Like where you at, Binkley? I like yeah. it. <laughs> no, no. I mean, no nine nine twenty twenty probably has significant. I mean, I I think it doesn't have to be near nine eleven to have. Yeah, there, I'm sure there's probably other. Uh, yeah. Uh, I like numbers. I'm OC. Yeah, numerology is a fascinating subject. They got some people out there that go really deep into it too. That blow my mind. I don't know how yeah. real it is I was, or not, but it's. I was looking at some of those at. those dates also, and I was trying to predict the next big false flag. So I would have in my calendar like this is a looks like a pattern is developing, but I could never really predict anything. Was there Although one some seven, people seven? I didn't do. There were just like a bunch of things. Yeah, there was something in July. There was just a bunch of things that really looked like an 8-8. Eight, eight. You know, there were just, it was the Chechen war or whatever. But there was yeah. just a bunch of things that looked like a pattern. And I started writing it down, but I didn't catch on. I didn't catch it soon enough. Mm. It's interesting. Yeah, I wanted to ask you guys too. Um, hmm? that, that big meeting that went on with all the alternative news and truth seekers y'all did recently uh we were invited obviously because we're huge but we couldn't make it no nah, we weren't invited <laughs> we're small potatoes but uh did uh you guys get anything out of that is there a game plan or a platform where everybody's gonna head to or is it still kind of early in the the works i'm not sure i i haven't really followed up on it i i was just i don't, I, I don't know if you listened to it I didn't say one word the entire time until the very end. Yeah, they, so, they, somebody messaged me. It was like, do you know what I was like, no, I'm good. I don't feel like I have anything unique to add to it. it, it right. So I don't want to talk just to talk. And, but then there, I, I just wanted to say goodbye. So it wasn't like, who's that guy who just sat there and, and literally said no words the whole time. He's so towards notes, the end, I was like, watching. I was just like, Hey guys, I, I learned a lot from you guys. I got my, got my wheels turning. And then I get to promote our show. They told me to plug it. So I, that, that was kind of cool. But yeah, I thought well, you did good with that. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, from what I got out of that was that there's, <laughs> there's people thinking about solutions. Um, I know that there's some people outside of that have also talked about the buy my space solution. I, I, I don't yeah. know what the right answer is. I really don't. I thought it was, I, I had originally thought that it was about uh, deplatforming fears, 
But then I felt like it started to drift into how best to monetize and maybe yeah. secure your ability to monetize. And I just am not there. Like, I don't get the tech. I don't understand how to right. be big business. Like, I just, yeah. I'm just still trying to build listenership and keep it very down to earth, grassroots. Uh, one thing I really, really <laughs> fear, and I'm really, I'm not saying, talking about any of those guys. I was complimented. Yeah, I love those I, guys. I like, learned a lot. But for me, this is like one reason I don't listen to other podcasts and I, Never think about, I never want to think about. Except truth or theory. <laughs> I listen to truth or theory and of my course, listeners listen to truth or theory. <laughs> Which is a great well, name, by the way. Yes. Thank you guys. Great Thank theme, great name. Yeah. I, w- I shouldn't say I don't listen to other podcasts. That's not what I meant. I meant I try not to listen to podcasts that are a lot like mine, that are real kind of minute to minute analysis or right. try to have original ideas because I don't want to crowd out my own thoughts with other people's thoughts. I don't want to have to give people credit for something I thought of myself that they right. also thought of. I just, it's a it's problem mindset as a comedian, not listening to other comics. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a popular thing. And I also have enough of my original thoughts that I don't have enough airtime that I need to have more stuff from other people. So I've got what I have, what I need. And then also I really worry about wanting to please or not piss off people who don't agree with me. So we have a great, great fan who doesn't care at all if we agree. And that's what I love. And that's what I want. And that's what we have to have. But he's a real alien guy. And he just shook his head at what kind of a just clueless idiot I am because I don't understand the flat earth thing and I don't believe in the moon landing. It's like, it's, I don't know what his, what his, what he knows that I don't know. It so doesn't matter. Flat earther? We have a, is that? I don't know. Is? Yeah. QE5 guy or QC4. CE5 guy. But I'm just saying, it's, I'm just saying he, if I cared he's about- He's a great guy. But yeah, and he's, he's a cool. great guy. I love yeah. him. I've <laughs> met Wonderful him guy. Tremendous guy. No, no. Well, I mean, I'm I've kidding. met him personally. <laughs> I love this guy. Yeah. And he knows it and he doesn't care at all. And he wouldn't care what we were saying. But I, I can only have people who listening, fans, I can only rely on fan bases who absolutely do not want me to say, I believe in Q when I don't. I just yeah, he, don't. He frequently don't compliments care. you. He says, Monica, you got me thinking about this in a way I hadn't thought. So open-minded, has, yeah. has theories is instead of coming in, like a lot of people when they have different ideas, they, they're ready to come in and be combat. Right. Uh, this listener, I, don't, I would say his name. I don't think he would care, but I just no, I don't know no, for sure. But that's but he, he would, like he's very open-minded. He's like, oh, I hadn't thought about it that way. And he says things to me all the time that I'm like, oh, man, he's got a lot. He's very creative and yeah. It's good. It's point. good dialogue. We my get it, guys. Point, Y'all have I, listeners. We don't stop. No, no, no. I love that. But my point is just this: if I were hyper focused on monetization, I would not be hyper focused on finding what my show is or our show. I mean, we have to do that individually. I'm not saying my right. show, but like me and Binkley. And I, I remember learning this in radio. It's your show is your baby. And you, oh, you have to have that baby. That baby is there and you have to have it. And if you're thinking about anything but your baby, it's not going to be your baby and it's not going to be good. Right. So right. I, 
I never focus on that. And I feel like someday, maybe it's gradual, maybe it's all at once, that it'll all come together. And then if I want to figure out what kind of ads I want to have, I'll figure out what. If people in the meanwhile want to come and, and put ads on my show, that's all fine. But if I were thinking of how to maximize the monetization right now, I think I would do things that wouldn't really create this really original thing or whatever is really me or I don't know what, but that's why those guys are a little ahead of me in a way right. and a little bigger, you know, bigger than we are. And just thinking about it in a way I'm not ready to think about because I think it might taint where I go, what I say, you know, with the show. Right. Distract you on what's important, which is your guys's brand, your podcast to, brand. It just it, to find it. So yeah. that's what I'm saying, like about the original stuff. I, I want to find it. I never want to think about who the listener is or um, or what other people are thinking or maybe what my thoughts are stupid or wrong. I want to find it inside and bring it out there. And if it is, then it was most likely to be original. And it's the original stuff that really is adds value that people really like. I mean, I learned a lot of this stuff being trained by the radio. My program director was so genius. He's like, look, it's people will be loyal to you if they, if you are really original. Well, that's Otherwise, the thing. Yeah. Someone can rip you off or yeah. any of that. Most the thing that people can never rip off. And this is a stand up comedy thing as well. And it's so it, the simplicity of it, you know, intellectually, it's like, wow, so simple, but it's very difficult to do. You mentioned earlier the fact that when the observe the observer phenomenon, that people behave differently when they're being observed. It's psychological. It's very hard not to have your behavior affected is people who present the information, what they talk about from who they are authentically their unique perspective and unique personality and the way they deliver and analyze that information cannot be mimicked. Now, people talk about, like the stand-up comedy, people have similar premises. They have similar topics. It's impossible to have the most rare and unique topic because for the audience to understand it, they have to also understand it. So people are going to talk about similar things. But the comedians that do it formulaically and are trying very hard to be what they see other people doing, they, it, they don't get the response. It, it becomes stale. But the comedians that present that stuff through their own unique persona that they bring to the stage. We'll talk about similar topics as other people, but they'll blow people's minds because of the unique way that they look at it and the unique way they deliver the information. I think the same is true with radio and, and podcasting. Yeah. And it's a very difficult thing to do to present your vulnerable, more true self. And in comedy, people amplify their personas, but it's difficult to do because we spend our lives putting up a mask and protecting who we are and those vulnerabilities because we are, we open ourselves up for attack when we do that. And when you're saying stuff that other people don't like, like you're saying, you open yourself up to attack, the, you can't care what they think or you'll never right. get it out. And, and if, mm -hmm. and I do feel like if you're going to, if you're going to look outward like that, if you're going to try to, to iterate with feedback, you're, you're just not going to have the nerve. I mean, and I had a problem with that on the WSB because there were thousands of listeners who did, they, that audience base was not truthy. It wasn't even libertarian. It was Rush Limbaugh listeners who turned on the radio on Saturday. I was on, you know, they would just, where's Rush and who's this chick? And they could call 
So you'd be sitting there and they would call and they would yell at you. And it, it was oh, wow. really paralyzing. And I had to, I, I didn't, I wasn't intimidated by it. I didn't pander to it, but it was very clear that I couldn't just lay it all out there because they mm -hmm. couldn't handle it at all. They, it, you just can't skip <laughs> yeah. steps like that. I'm not even criticizing them. It's just skipping steps and it's being forced upon them when they're yeah. trying to drive their kids to soccer. And I noticed that it's, you just really can't bring your best thing, but there was a value in that, which was, I was trying to introduce new ideas to people who were never hearing them with the same conservative yeah, the same stuff over and over, over, and over. Again. Right. And it was difficult and I would be on the chopping block for that. But again, I really couldn't, I, I couldn't try to repeat what other people said, but I had to bridge that gap. So I think there, I mean, this isn't exactly the answer to your question, but I just, I feel like there's, there's, a kind of art to it that is so personal that I just never want to think. I, I, I just find that the commercial element of it is a little premature. I mean, I need to pay the bills, but I can't, I, I just can't um, prioritize it. Right. I think part of it is the art of vulnerability and being well, that's okay. Courage, I that's think. part. I yeah. Like courage and vulnerability. Yeah. I mean, there's more to it than that, but I think that it is a, it's easy to not be vulnerable. It's easy to put up, a front and be an inauthentic character than it is to present a more authentic, vulnerable character or your, sure. your true self. I don't do any of that. I'm not owning that. <laughs> I'm not saying you do I, that. I'm saying, I'm, well, I'm, yeah, I'm saying you, you might not consciously do that, but when you open yourself right. up and we talk about things that make us vulnerable and that right. um, I think I'm people saying, can I, sense yeah. the authenticity. Yeah. That call in thing that you went through, Monica, that will, that will break you or make you stronger for sure. So that was, Good experience I for you. <laughs> cried for four days after. That's one. rough. We had and a troll. Mom, yeah. Did you, yeah. The troll know, that would call in with different names. Oh, did somebody yeah. just attacked you? No, for four days, everybody attacked mm. me. I said that Caitlyn Jenner, who has just said he was a girl or whatever, that uh, I thought he was faking, but that he had a right to cut his own dick off. And yeah. <laughs> everyone on both ends of the spectrum descended on me with the most vicious cursing. I was getting Facebooks. I was getting um, callers. I was getting emails. You're just, just, you're, you're a, a straight hating cunt or whatever. And then the other, the emails like you're the pride of Eve. You are the destruction of humanity <laughs> that don't wow. read the Bible. So I went home and my mother happens to be there at, at visiting me. And, uh, I, I was crying on and off for four days and I would try to like go to my mom. She had nine kids. I'm the youngest and I'm, and I was sat there and I was just like, huh? I just talked about this. And she said, who puts yourself out there? You do. You put yourself out there. So what do you expect? What do you expect? And I was like, well, but I mean, they were so mean. You put yourself out there. It's like I love the impression. Wow, mm -hmm. <laughs> nice. So, so there was no like healing <laughs> there yeah. for a while, but yeah. I had to. I I really had to learn, and you and the benefit of it is that there was so much feedback that I really understood how what I was saying would land on on people's ears, strangers whose face you couldn't see. I mean, it took years to get your mind around that. That you're you're talking to a wall by the time the phones light up, you're three, four minutes into something that is pissing people off. And, and the thing is you were on it. point. And, and oftentimes if both sides are attacking you, like we saw with Ron Paul all the time, 
it's because you're saying something where that is really going to be like, Hurting oh, them. wow. I'm saying yeah. they're getting people to think differently. Hurt them. And, but in the beginning for a while, I just, I didn't know what I knew, what I thought. So I would say stuff, I would throw stuff out there without having totally really refined my arguments. And I would just forget, like, right. you can't just, they would want yeah. me, like the previous stuff would want me to just like, just hit it hard, you know, say it. I'm like, I, I don't know if I can defend that. And I just, I, after all, I was like, I'm not hitting it hard. I'm not arguing with people. I'm not being a jerk. I'll give them my ideas. I'll tell them the difference between what I'm pretty sure of and what I'm still trying to figure out. And it got easier after that, but you don't know, like, unless you have these experiences, you don't realize how, like you're not challenged like that. And, and you, you really have to challenge your own thoughts when people complete strangers are going to viciously attack you. It distinguishes. And then you've got to take those inhibitions away, that self-protection. That's what you're talking about, Binkley. I can relate to it in that sense, in that you have to, you just have to get that protective layer off because it's going to, it's just, you got to be ready because you're going to get those shots. Yeah. And it happens on social media. I'm much better at it now. I used to get into like these troll fights and stuff on social media. I would be upset. Somebody called me a Nazi. Well, Hitler was a Catholic. <laughs> I literally had tears when I was just someone who was like, Hitler's yeah. a Catholic and you're a Catholic, so you're Hitler. And I was like, oh my God, am I Hitler? It, <laughs> like, you're definitely not yeah. Hitler. That's a stupid <laughs> argument. <laughs> it makes it easier for me to deal with when you read in the OSS manual simple sabotage manual and mimetics uh, you know manual that we went through from from the government where it's like here's what you do and they just describe going trolling and 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 doing this exact thing to psychologically mess with people and get them preoccupied with stuff it's like oh this is part of a, a psychological well, maybe they're not actively part of it maybe they're, they're behavioral modeling and people are just doing it anyway but still it's like oh this is a, a subversion technique and that, that for me, that helps me deal with stuff like that better because I'm like, I'm not going to let this get me. I'm much better at detecting trolls. We would yeah, laugh at the troll, at Paul, who would call under different names. He had the most distinctive. Most distinct, like, like Kermit. I, was he kind like of. 500 pounds or something? He was just like, hello. Yeah. <laughs> he would call multiple times under a different name with the same. And just he's it's like, we know it's you. We know it's you. I would call him by his real name. And I was just was like, this is Pete. I'm like, hi, Paul. Like, where's Pete? Yeah. It's Pete. Yeah. <laughs> what was great about Monica's approach to that is I was at first I was like, maybe we should just out him or whatever. But she was like, well, no, no, we don't want to do that because we know he's our troll. And if we out him, they'll send somebody better. Yeah, who's better true. at being a troll. Yeah. And, or that or that I just would have to go through that learning process again. Yeah. Plus, plus you have one. I could. I, he was actually not that bad, but we had a lot of people who were just like reading the individual script that was fantastic because they were just pitching these softballs. We could just hit them right out of the park. And they were just like, you love Trump. I'm like, no, I don't. I don't love Trump. I'll tell you five reasons I don't love Trump. And then you can tell me the five reasons you don't love Trump. And then I'll tell you the five reasons I don't love Hillary. And then you can tell me the five reasons you don't love Hillary. And they just be like, I'm out. You, you can love he Trump. Yeah. You can hear <laughs> them short circuiting in the brain through the radio. <laughs> it was sad. I thought. <laughs> like, you can hear that. <laughs> so I loved that. In the end, like by the end, I was really great at it. But I remember the time I was defending the Iran nuclear deal. To a bunch of <laughs> Rush listeners. I was like, hey. Hey, I don't like Obama either because it's totally unconstitutional. But it would be awesome if 
Iran didn't have nuclear weapons for 10 years. And this will definitely guarantee that you're an idiot. I would read, was reading quotes out of the document and they were telling me that it wasn't true. That's how it was just crazy. But I got better at it later and I wouldn't get into those. I would, then I would know when to have confidence and when not to have confidence. But it took a long time and now it's completely wasted because I'll never be in that medium again because it's so effective. They had to let it go, right? Because to have that conversation, which would sway conservatives or liberals to just ways of thinking critically and clearly, makes me think that they could not have that on the mainstream. That's the last thing they want. You have to be, I've actually read that they want you to, it's okay to say really radical right things on right radio and really radical left things on left radio or whatever. You can deviate from the script as long as there's no crossover that might convince the other side to be more open-minded about your side. So, so like I always thought that they would have like the dumbest liberals on conservative stuff and the dumbest yeah. conservatives on liberal stuff so that you could never imagine that the other, that there aren't just 60 million evil mm -hmm. jerks or idiot more lazy morons you know that's how everyone wants you to think like how did this country end up with 60 yeah. million idiot jerks <laughs> or 60 million lazy morons but not both at the same time it's like yeah. well it's probably both at the same time or neither but you'll uh, never yeah. know because it's so cordoned off I have to say, they, that's in propaganda literature, that's one of the techniques that they call stacking the deck, where they bring in the intelligent sounding people, the panel of intelligent sounding people, a doctor from Harvard, a doctor from whatever. Here's a former CIA. <laughs> Everybody in the panel discussion is a former CIA you know, agent now, giving us the, this commentary. There's a, and then we have the, the, the opposition person coming in, and this person is always somebody like, you know, just food all over their face, and they're like, ah, mouth ah, breather. Just, just the most <laughs> uncredible person you've ever seen. I'm not going to say names. I just can't. But there was somebody on our at, on that old radio station who I totally thought was a plant like that. Like was meant to be the one who didn't make a good argument hmm. for conservatives. Interesting. I don't I doubt it. <laughs> I have to dig into your mind, Binkley. You'll remember. You'll figure it out. I think I, I might. I hate to be ungracious, so I will not really say anything bad about WSB, except for I think they took me off the air because I outed Event 201. I do. I, that is my belief as well. I think it's pretty clear, I think. Yeah. What, what, how did you, why did you guys get into podcasting? I'm interested in that. You want to answer that? I mean, I've always wanted to do like some sort of, I wanted to do a radio show is what I wanted to do. And then it just kind of came into, we just started BSing about, oh, you listen to this podcast? Yeah, I listen to this podcast. And there's, in, in our line of work, a lot of people don't listen to podcasts. So when we figured out that we both listened to the same podcast, it was like, let's, we got to do this. Yeah, we previously worked together. So we were talking about this stuff a lot. And then it kind of all formed last fall. And then uh, we planned all through the holidays and then kickstarted it right in January started and just haven't looked back. Yeah. Can I ask a question? Sure. Of course. Absolutely. <laughs> what, what would you, if you have a goal in doing this, what would it be? Other, if it's just to amuse yourselves, that's okay. But I just wonder. You first, JP. Uh, you mean like, what do I want uh, this podcast to become? Or what do well, I want? Well, I mean, are you trying to convince people of stuff? Are you trying to? 
overall like what is your goal with this is there a goal is it a way to make money that's fun or is it no I, honestly we've made no money it's gonna cost you money so trust <laughs> so, me it's going to oh yeah, cost we're, you we're money. negative yeah I, I, definitely yeah, negative definitely probably in this whole thing forever made zero money so my goal is just to convince people of a bunch of bullshit i don't believe in and just collect paychecks no, <laughs> <laughs> no it'd be nice to just wake people up i mean i i was that i was that guy for a long time that i just i I thought it was all crazy. I'm like, you're, you know, why, why would the government do this to you and this and that? And, and now that I see all this stuff and I see the proof behind it, I'm like, there's a lot of people that are just like me that need to know the craziness and the lies and just, I mean, or even just have it, just be open-minded about it because, and I also like to talk about the weird stuff, <laughs> you know, the, yeah. the super, think, way super weird out there stuff that it's like, that would be, it's a fun to entertain that, that thought that you know, maybe the fun. earth is hollow and there's another world inside there. That's it's bizarre. It's very, right? I think cathartic for me. Like if you get frustrated with the stuff that you realize is true and nobody else gets it. And it's, I just think it's like, just feels better to get it out. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and you see this crazy stuff and you're like, how, how is this guy getting away with this? And then you start learning this and you learn this and you listen. It's like, it all makes sense. And it's you want to let people know. Sense. You want to be like, ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah look, look out for this because it's, it, you know, you're going to see it and it's going to blow your mind and you're going to wonder why. I'll tell you why. And the official stories don't make sense. That's what yeah. I find interesting yeah. is that I've got, I can think of a story that makes sense with all these little random coincidences yeah. That the story they're telling you on the news does not make sense. Yeah, like the other day, I learned a lot about Christopher Columbus, and I'm like, all the stuff that they told me in school. <laughs> yeah, this guy. Is- the real news is in the Mount Rushmore documents, <laughs> and it's frustrating. Because I don't want to defend Christopher Columbus, but at the same time, thank you. I don't want to get behind these movements that are so packed with like what Binkley says that Marxist stuff or whatever. They. I don't, I don't like Teddy Roosevelt at all, and I don't like that statue, but if I advocate for it or if I pull the wool back and Christopher Columbus, like colonization was just stealing and killing, you know, you want to, I've been affirming that forever, and then all of a sudden it means you, know, you have to accept this whole other basket of what policy recommend you know where we should yeah. go with that and mm-hmm. i can't you know it's kind of a trap it's annoying yeah. what about you um for me it was i just i really wanted to put myself in an uncomfortable position because i <laughs> i <laughs> i don't uh do well with speaking it's not a natural thing for me but i really enjoy um having a, an opinion and getting it out there because i think about a lot of weird stuff and i have a lot of weird opinions and i want to share it and reach out to people who share those same opinions or wouldn't think of it that way and then start looking at it a different way and uh i just really wanted a creative outlook an outlook something i could put a lot of creative stuff into like the logos um just this the dumb stuff that we'd talk about and we're basically the beavis and butthead of uh, conspiracy and <laughs> yeah, we like to make it fun yeah we let we keep it light keep it playful um we just enjoy that like you said too with the waking people up we kind of made a um a name for ourselves and our listeners talking about the sheep that are out there sleeping the opposite of sheep or wolves so we're the woke wolf pack so our listeners nice. are the woke wolf pack the wolf, wolf pack the woke wolf pack yep. nice. the woke wolf yeah. they're woke <laughs> yeah, woke in a good way yeah yeah so that's that's where we're at we're just two bros with uh similar hobbies and uh interest and we just wanted to get this going and i think we, we got a good thing going we've had a yeah. lot of awesome guests like you guys 
Yeah. Um, it's it's just, super it, fun. Everything's really kind of just it. fell into place like it's supposed to happen this way. So we and we, we love it. We honestly thought it would just be me and him just just BSing and you know just talking and you know looking into stuff. And then now we just had like basically a guest for every episode, and it's been such a blessing. Honestly, yeah, our networking with it too has been so much fun. We made a lot of good friends with it. Yeah, I started a second podcast that's uh, not truth related or conspiracy, just for fun to interview um, interesting people that have crazy stories. A lot of MMA guests, um, wildlife guests, and athletes and stuff like that. So anybody wants to check that out, it's No Limits with E. Willie. Mm-hmm. And that's on YouTube or uh, Spotify. I so feel I'm like most MMA fighters probably have a story about some idiot who has no idea they're an MMA fighter picking a fight with them in a bar. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a common problem, man. There's a lot of sleeper guys in there that don't look like your typical athlete but are super dangerous. Yeah. A lot of those guys are just so uh, – they're so disciplined, too, because that, that, that uh, sport is a very serious sport. You have, it's a nonstop training that's all year-round. You don't stop. It's, it's intense, man. I have a lot of respect for those guys. I love hearing their stories. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, since this is a Swapcast, I want to get your guys' permission. We're going to do six questions with Brad since this is his first time, and then we have six questions for Monica with her second appearance, a separate set of six questions. You guys want to do that? We're not very good oh, at math, man. but I think that's 12 questions. <laughs> 12, I think. Yeah. Now I'm nervous. <laughs> Let me take off my shoes and count this up. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go first with Brad. I do the first-time guests, and uh, JP does the second-time guests. So, Brad, you're up first. All right. Ready, sir? In the hot seat. All right. Number one, you have the power to make one law. Which law do you create and why? Oh, God. That's a uh, – You would have to write down the consequences of your actions before you take them. Oh, that's a good five, idea. five worst case scenario consequences of your actions before you take them so that it forces us to think about how we impact other people around us in the world, as opposed to we often uh, um, just think about ourselves and me as much as anybody else is guilty of that. So that's one. Yeah. yeah. I like it. That's I like where your head's at. I like that. Number two, what three words would you choose to describe yourself? Neurotic. Passionate. Goofy. Silly. What do you think, Monica? You know him well. Are those good three words? Yeah. I mean, I have to say curious. I think he sure. oh, yeah. noodles one, yeah. till four in the morning. Yeah, I do. I'm very everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know quality. myself. I think I, you know, I, I should do some more self-reflection probably. That's a good question. A, a good practice after the podcast would just go sit in the mirror for 15 minutes and ask Brad. <laughs> Who's Brad? I'd be crying Brad? for 14 minutes. <laughs> do, it, do it in the dark with just a candle. but in the meanwhile take a video of it yeah Yeah, if you could put it on facebook live that'd be great (laughs) in real time (laughs) number three what do you want to be remembered for mr binkley your time is up what what is inspiring inspiring people to 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 help people i like i've always been like i, I think like I would like to be remembered as as someone who was able to inspire others to be better and to help others as well. 
And to ask questions. And to ask questions, to ask questions. which is fundamental in that. I, I, yes, definitely. To ask questions. Absolutely. Monica, nice. you, Monica is probably better at answering, <laughs> answering his questions. I, yeah. I do that. <laughs> no, I speak for him. Yeah, you can pick up where he drops the ball. Cause you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think he good. saw these questions in advance, which I, last time, well, I, I didn't I, want to make it too fair for him. I got to. Yeah, I think. <laughs> it's see good. What I, I, lo- I, I like listened. the on this, but yeah, it's definitely. Good. No, you're doing good, Brad. You're doing great. I didn't give you any heads up on this, and these are great answers. Your listeners are going to really enjoy it. <laughs> Tremendous. Number four, what is something you like that most people don't know about you, Mr. Binkley? Something that I like that most people don't know about me. Well, is this Patreon material? Yeah, is this yeah. what state? What laws are we under? <laughs> Add it to your I gotta, Patreon. I got a clean one. <laughs> um, I talk about this on our show, so I would say our listeners probably know about it. But I, I, I am, I'm a theater person combined with someone who is also loves sports and played sports, which is a unique combination, which makes me feel like an outcast in both groups of people. That's a good thing, though. I'm the only guy who likes sports generally when I'm with my improv and and theater friends. And when I'm with my my sports and whatever friends, I'm the weirdo improv guy. Mm. I didn't know you were an improv guy, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I've I've been doing improv comedy for over a decade now. I went to Second City. Maybe that's something people probably don't know. I I was in a program at Second City, and I did comedy up there for a while. And... uh, um, yeah, so that that's always it's an interesting combination of experiences to bring. Which actually, for improv, it's a filter through which it helps me look at things because it's a lot of it changes the way, at least for me, the openness of what you have to learning about other people. It it, it lets that guard down and helps with curiosity. And you can like the first time you go to an improv class, especially some improv classes. If you've never had experience with it before, then you're going, this is fucking weird. Yeah. Like the warm-ups and people getting in circles and because the idea, for example, there's a, an exercise called follow the follower. And essentially it is you, you kind of mirror each other in the behavior. And when you do an improv workshop, the idea is to let all your guard down, no judgment. That way people are free to express themselves and it's not going to be brought up on Twitter and used to call them racist in the future. So now actually I think people who do improv warmups and improv rehearsals probably aren't really doing stuff as they would because they're going to get like, I see people on social media all the time now that I know and they're huge progressives and they say, they call people racist and they say all kind of shit. And I'm like, I remember the shit you used to say in warmups, but I'm not going to tell people because I, I I'm following the fucking rule. And, and now you're sitting here branding people racist when you said the most vulgar, vile fucking things. The idea of an improv rehearsal is to free yourself to let that shit out and to just go crazy. And people go crazy. So you follow the follower and then the behavior just gets bigger and bigger. And before you know it, there's 10 people in the room jumping around like monkeys going, like doing fucking just nuts. And if you just walked in as an outside observer, you'd be like, these are weirdos. Get me the fuck out of here. But what's going on is for me is like, while that shit's crazy, is it also, it, it breaks your, it tears down that barrier of judgment and it helped me. And I think others I know really look at the world in a, in a, in a broader, more um, understanding way. I think I should try one of these. I think that sound that would be very beneficial to me. I, yeah. 
it terrifies me. I, I it feel is like scary. I can get up and speak in front of a whole room of people. That doesn't bother me. I could if I stand still and just talk. Yeah. But the moving around and stuff that terrifies me. I it's love people putting scary. themselves in terrifying situations. I think it's very <laughs> healthy. Yeah, it is healthy. I think. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, number five. If you could have any superpower, which would you choose and why? The, um. I guess healing so I could make people better. That's the most selfless positive answer that people say. And I, that's a good judge of character that you're a good person. Cause I, I just wanted to move objects. Healing is probably the best answer. That's good. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of others I would want as well, but yeah. I feel like that is, is what, if you have an army, then you can have some longevity. You can help the people you care about. Now you're talking, you brought it back to an army. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> the invincible army. All right. Last, last question for Mr. Binkley. Number six, if you could know the absolute truth on one conspiracy theory, which would you choose and why? Hmm. Uh, my initial reaction is to say the Anunnaki's. Oh yes. The theory where we were monkeys or whatever and we were gene edited basically because depending on the answer that would really reveal change the way i look but if the answer is oh that's all bullshit then i'd be like oh i should have really thought about another conspiracy to get to the bottom of <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a great one uh that's a good uh plug for our future episode coming up real soon with matthew Lacroix. we're going deep into the anunnaki yes. so i gotta tell you one oh, thing about oh. that that i find interesting is so from my understanding of it, and I, I, I don't have a great understanding of it, admittedly, but from my understanding of it, we were gene edited to make us a little, make us able to understand commands so that we can be slaves for the Anunnaki. If, if that is the theory that we were gene edited, there was a study a couple of years ago that I read. I can't remember which university it is. I read a lot of these studies about gene editing and, and biohacking and stuff. I just think they're interesting the way there's like a list of, of biohacks and then the superhero equivalent of the ability that it might give you as well as the potential downfall of it. Really interesting. One of them is that it would uh, give you the ability to not ever break a bone like in that Bruce Willis movie, Unbreakable. But right. the side effect of that ability is that it would be so your bones would be so dense that you wouldn't be able to swim in water, just like the movie that Bruce Willis. So I'm like, wow, it's just like the movie. And there's a whole other list of that shit too. Um, but the study was about this like type of insect that scientists had taken and gene edited, and they gene edited it and it to have wings, and it reproduced, and they essentially created a different species than what they started with, and. My thinking on that was, okay, that's exactly, in general terms, the story of how we were gene edited however long ago. If we can do that now, who's to say that isn't something that's been able to be done for a long, long time? Damn. Monica, you just put the pressure on you with these answers. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I thought I, I could do better with a little warning. So you've got me on the spot now. Yeah, but I will great do job, Brad. That was good stuff. Great questions. This one. JP's yeah, up now. Uh, it's a new set of six questions. I don't know if nice. I sent it to you, Monica. Did you see No. These? Oh, perfect. <laughs> they're, all, they're all fun. They're, they're fun questions. Okay. These are a little easier than the first six. Okay, set of good, six. good, good, good. You ready? What's your favorite color? Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> Yellow, no, red. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> all right number one 
if you could time travel back, where, where am I? If you could time travel there and back, which time period would you choose? It could be future or past. I would choose Augustus's Rome. Wow. Why, why would you do that? It was the time of Christ. And I just feel like what was going on right then. I always wondered if, let's assume Christ is the son of God. I, I'm very intellectual about stuff like this. So it's very hard for me to just absorb God as a person and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But let's say you want to answer that question. Why did he send his son in that time and place? And I always kind of felt like it was because all roads lead to Rome, that it was probably the one point in time where the message could reach all the ends of the earth and then have an impact forever. And I just wonder what was going on in Rome to make that, the time ripe for human right. salvation, if that's what, you know, I always wonder, are we really, whether you think of it as a Christian thing or whatever, like, is there any saving us? Are we saved? And I don't mean that in like a Christian sense necessarily, but like, what is the point of our existence? Seems like we suck in a lot of ways and we try to not suck some of us. And what is the answer to that? And if, if there is, whether, whether it's an Anunnaki thing or whatever, if there is an answer outside of us and it was revealed to us in, you know, why then, why there, maybe the context will help understand that that was the moment for the seed right. to be planted or. That's interesting. You'd go to right to the heart of the ACBD line to see what, cause that is like, that's a great answer. I thought of Socrates, yeah. but I think. Rome is. I always wondered if they were alive at the same time. I I was looking that up one time. There's there's theories that they. Greece was first. Oh really? Mm hmm. Mm. Interesting. I like it. Yeah. All right. Number two. What's an unusual pet peeve you have? Oh, I have peeves. Uh oh, you gotta give me a second. <laughs> yeah. I asked my wife this question and she gave me about 30. I was like, oh, can of worms. <laughs> oh, I do not like people burping in my house. Okay. I just it said my just... wife, my wife is exactly the same way. That's the biggest offense to her. Yeah. Her Audible <laughs> burping. I mean, if you got to burp, you got to burp, but just whatever, cover your face and do everything yeah. you can. It's just, I find there's nothing more disrespectful and giving into your animal nature than burping. And I just, I find it personally offensive as the mom in this house to have anyone, including my husband, burp audibly. Do your kids respect that, that pet peeve? Dude. Yes, they do. <laughs> they know better. I mean, you hear somebody burp, and like one second later, it's like, oh my God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's like, one kid does it, yes, another one are. dives on top of him. No. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> he's my brother. <laughs> exactly, exactly. As soon as they step out of the house, it's just an onslaught of burps. <laughs> <laughs> that may be true. I don't care. I would rather a fart, to be honest with you. Wow. wow. I know. 
Because the fart, I don't know, but the burp, it's like you could have controlled yourself and you didn't because you don't respect me. That is an unusual pet peeve. That's, that's it, man. And I'm right, just so you know. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> We've been warned. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right, number three. When you were a kid, what did you want to become as an adult? I just had this vision of being a I considered the possibility of being a nun because my mother would have loved that and I thought well if this is all about salvation like you were saying like this is everything at your cult like my cult's the same way everything on this earth is for the next life and I was like well it just stands to reason that if you just sacrifice everything for 70 80 90 years and you get an eternity of like being a nun opera echelon but I realized it was not for me. It was not my calling. Yeah. When I was 15, sitting in a bar with a pack of Marlboro Reds, I think I was just like, I don't think I'm going to be a nun after all. Yeah, that's a hard path to go down. <laughs> it was. So, yeah, I just, it was not for me. Shout out to all the God. nuns out there doing the yeah. damn thing. Well, they're, you're supposed to have a calling, which I definitely didn't have. But I just yeah. had this vision. I was really grew up poor. So it was like one bathroom and 10 people. It was really bad. So I just had a vision of just living in a big penthouse, you know, having a corner office and being, you know, like, look like a different person. I would be like a skinny chick in a suit. Like I would never be that chick, you know, I just was never going to be that chick. But I had this vision of, I kind of conflated the idea of having a clean house with being super rich. (laughs) So I just thought I'll have to be super rich so I can have my own bathroom. And then I was like, wow, everyone living in an apartment by themselves has their own bathroom. So the first time I had my own apartment, I was like, I'm done. Like this is everything I had ever dreamed of. And then I got married and had kids. I was like, oh, I don't have my own bathroom. What the fuck? You know, but I mean, I do now, but I'm just saying like, it was just this one shining moment in time where I achieved that goal, which was basically have a clean house. So I think my aspirations were limited by my surroundings, but on the same scale, they were just fantastically grand in my mind. Anyway. <laughs> It sounds like a modest goal, a dream of one day having your own bathroom. Yeah, but I thought that it involved incredible wealth. Mm. You know, so I, I ended up just never stopping until I was an investment banker and had tons and tons of school debt and everything because I just wanted that, you know, that, that experience of being clean and not too noisy and all that. And then when I realized that I really could have just had that if I had stopped at being a waitress, which I loved, and, you know, it would have been great. I imagine you were a fantastic waitress. I was a great waitress. I was so good at it. And, okay, you know, you'd, everybody would sit around drinking and smoking after work. You would talk to people and big rolls of cash. And I just loved it. <laughs> I did it for years. But I, I realized I dropped out of high school and I ended up in community college or whatever. But I realized that I was like, what if I break my leg? Like, I think I have to get some degrees so I can work even if I break my leg. And I ended up going to Harvard and other ridiculously overinflated things because I just I had the wrong idea of how what it took to just have a normal lifestyle you know I just yeah, got it all funny. wrong you just said I ended up going to Harvard and I just had the wrong idea about things yeah <laughs> and I made it and my father knew he was like don't go there they're gonna make you a socialist what a waste of time and money and I was like well they're paying for it it's like eh. 
<laughs> like, okay. And then a neighbor went up to him and said, did your daughter get into Harvard? I was at community college and I transferred to Harvard as a junior on a full scholarship. And he, and he said, yeah. And he said, you know, <laughs> you should really congratulate her. It's like, well, Harvard's just a hotbed of <laughs> socialists. And the guy was like, yeah, but it's quite an achievement. So he took Funny. me out to the nicest dinner of my whole life. I doubt as a truck driver. And he said, yeah. Villa Venice, like this really great Italian restaurant. He sat down and he said, and I told him, you don't have to tell me to be proud of my daughter. And I'm thinking you totally did this because he told you to, but okay. So he forgave <laughs> me for that. going to Harvard yeah. because it was an achievement. Your daughter got in Harvard. Don't remind me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. He was just like, oh, please. Another disappointment. I've got the drug addicts. I've got the Harvard kid. I don't know which is worse. Yeah, that's wild. That's <laughs> I mean, that's why my context is so weird. Like, I want my own bathroom. I better go back to school. And my father would say, college is a complete waste of time and money. And I remember arguing with him, like, what if I could get into Harvard? And literally, I was in high school. And I was talking to the guidance counselor. So I said, I only want to go to Harvard. And she was like, well, you're probably not going to get into Harvard. So I dropped out of high school. And then I went back. And then she got together with my mother and whatever. It's a long story. It took years. And there was a community college that had a program and somebody transferred to Harvard. And, she's, and they conspired to get me to go to this program. And I did end up going to Harvard. But I'm telling you, like, my ideas of this stuff were really stupid because my dad was so anti-education and we were so poor. Anyway, that's a story for another time when yeah, I'm not have, that's hours a very into low blood sugar. Huh? It's a good story. <laughs> yeah, it's that very is, interesting that's a really good story. I can't believe that. I There's lots of and now, questions in there. I've circled around to where I completely agree with my father, and I wished I had spent that time learning how to grow, actually planting a couple of trees, because my mother still lives on that place, and I'd have cherry trees and stuff now. Start and instead, I wasted my backyard. time going to Harvard, <laughs> which was a waste. I shouldn't say that. I certainly, I, I got something out of it. I always say this about like limited hangouts. I get more out of them than they get out of me. Like if Edward Snowden or Alex Jones are limited hangouts, I don't care because I get some good stuff out of them. Yeah. I do care, but whatever. So <laughs> I used it not for what I think I was accepted there to use it for, but I get credibility out of it. I did really up my game because people are really good students and smart and all that kind of stuff. And you have to, hone your argument skills if you're going to try to convince those people that libertarianism is not a fantasy or fascism or whatever. So there was definitely, definitely value in it. I shouldn't diminish it, but it's just funny because I still wish that I had just started a farm. Well, you're about to. <laughs> yeah, I, well, we'll see. I hope so. I, I, gotta potato get that, at get, a time. I have to feed my kids into that machine that I reject yeah. so that I have time to go. I like the way you say uh, daughter in your accent. Daughter. Daughter. My daughter. <laughs> daughter. My daughter. Wait, that my mother. <laughs> that You got a little sampling of me imitating my mother who does not realize I'm imitating her. It's like, mom, do you mind that I imitate you? What do you mean you imitate me? What? <laughs> I'm like, well, I use your voice. What? I never heard that. I'm like, you listen to everything I do. You've definitely heard it a thousand times. She can't hear it. <laughs> That's awesome. Because <laughs> it's perfect. It is. I haven't even met your mom, but it's dead on. Oh, yeah. Yes, you have. <laughs> <laughs> I've met her via uh, live stream. Yes, and it, it is. She's dead on. She was on her best behavior for you, Binkley. That's, nice. That's awesome. <laughs> Good stuff. 
All right, number four. <clears throat> if you were going to be stranded on an island and had the chance to bring one thing with you, which thing would you choose? I know Ron what that Paul's? is. What's that? Is it Ron he, Paul? He is, a, <laughs> he is a honey. My mother used to call him, there's my sweetie. Yes, my sweetie. We would watch the debates. FF to the Ron Paul pots. <laughs> I would sit there tweeting shit my mom said. You know, it was so funny. Um, I know what it is. It's a, uh, there's an illustrator, Rockwell Kent, who from the, like the 20s or something, he does, he just, everything was in lines, just little lines, but it's beautiful, beautiful stuff. And a uh, boyfriend I had once who I really liked, he gave me a, an old copy of Moby Dick, an original Rockwell Kent illustrated copy of this book, which I actually read. And I guess you're not supposed to do that because I broke it. Anyway, um, and then years later, I was in a library and I saw a huge, reprint of the complete works of Shakespeare illustrated by Rockwell Kent. And for one of the very few times in my life, I was tempted to steal. Oh, and then I realized, was, I know. And that's what I was going to steal. The other times were toilet paper. Every other time I ever stole anything <laughs> was, was toilet paper. It was once <laughs> was when I was in pandemic. Peru, when I was in Harvard, because I got the scholarship, but I had no money at all. So I couldn't afford food or toilet paper. So I would steal it from the library. And when I was in Peru, there's like a severe lack of toilet paper in Peru. So anyway, yeah. <clears throat> it, there really is. And uh, so I saw it. It was on the shelf of books they were selling. It was only $3. And I feel like if you could only take one, if you had to be alone forever, you would kind of want something that you could peel the layers on. So if I had the beautiful pictures, which would be nice, and the complete works of Shakespeare, I bet that could fill a lifetime of like, you were like, sometimes you can just sit in the bathroom and think. It would, mm -hmm. Not that I'd be in the bathroom for the whole lifetime, but I'm just saying that's our only like remnant of remembering what it's like to just think. That would provide probably enough material to reflect on for a lifetime. Wow, that's a, that's a good answer. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> and I don't even read Shakespeare. answer than we normally get. <laughs> yeah, I'm saving it. I don't even yeah. read it. I'm not even like in slash like that, but I'm just like, I'm pretty sure that would be something that could keep you occupied. Have you tried to get hold of that book now? I have it. Do you have it? I bought it. It was only $3. Yeah, good. I bought it. It's in arm's reach of my uh So you already have it. You have it ready. I have it. I'd get I'll a boat. The works. plane will be there shortly to pick you up. To bring you to <laughs> That's what I'd bring. I'd bring a flexing boat. boat to, that'd be the one thing I'd get. <laughs> You'd bring a boat. That's a good no idea. No spoilers, Brad. You can't give away your answers yet. <laughs> oh, yeah, for next time. Sorry. You're coming back. <laughs> <laughs> so you have the advantage of knowing the question. <laughs> All right, let's see. Number five. If someone was going to make a movie about you, which actor or actress in your case would you want to play you? Well, I think I know who I want to play you, and not me. You know I, know who who I, I, I know who I want. Oh, no, I know who I could see playing you. Can I let it? him answer for me? Yeah, who is it? Marissa okay. Tomei. Whatever. Nice. From yeah, I have a huge crush on Marissa Tomei since I was a kid. <laughs> That's perfect. the Seinfeld yeah, episode where, Stein, where uh, George tries to date her, where she likes George. Yeah. 
but he's da- but he's in a relationship and he's like, Mr. Tomei likes me. I can't date her. That show is gold to me. That well, yes, I would take that. I would love like uh, Angie Harmon. I like and uh, Tina Fey. People think I look like Tina Fey. Yeah, know? Tina Fey would be that. good too. I th- I like the Marissa Tomei. That would be awesome. Yeah, me too. But Tina yeah. Fey, I don't care for. Her. So personally, <laughs> cool. but I just think I'm supposedly look like her. All right. Number six, last question. What was the best advice you've been given? It's kind of a hard question. Ever in your whole life? Yes, I have the answer. Marry someone who can grow. (laughs) Is that as a person? They grow as a person? Everything? Grow? Yeah, he definitely has grown. But as a person, yes. Go grab yeah, your everything. husband real quick. Let's let's talk to him. <laughs> Say that again. I said, go grab your husband real quick. Let's let's talk to him. Yeah. No. No. He he made one appearance once. On yeah, one of our Zoom cocktail parties. But he's Mr. what I call Perez. Do you feel like you've grown? The elusive Mr. Perez. He hangs on to that. He's like, look, I've grown. I'm like, you know what? This rate of growth is so much slower than I could ever have imagined. I mean, he might as well be a redwood tree. It's been 20 <laughs> freaking years and he still can't wash the dishes. He's like, it's better than it used to be. I use soap now. I'm like, it's been 20 years. <laughs> like sometimes you got to space the growth out. So that, that, you know. Dude, his growth. But it is true. You have to have somebody who can grow. If you have somebody who's not flexible like that, is not willing to grow and can think and all that kind of stuff, you just can't, you can't make it work. And then you've invested all that time. That's great advice. I think it is, it great, is great advice. It was the best advice I ever got. Good. I like pass it. it on to my children. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I tell my dogs. <laughs> <laughs> no kids. Makely. No, I just got, got Edmund's all I got right now. Edmund, the dog. dog, Edmund, Edmund dog. Yeah. I mean, I'm Even not going to tell our life. recent dog stories. <laughs> We have a lot oh, in common in our dogs, but it's so yes, it's really disgusting, disgusting right now. So. <laughs> I mean, I, I actually shed tears over how disgusting my dog was, and she's beautiful. I rescued her. She was like a little show dog who was captive in a cage. And neurotic dogs really have disgusting habits. <laughs> I can't get into it. On that note, that sounds interesting. We have to do another episode. <laughs> it's funny, yeah, because we just had we just realized we had a common experience with dogs. So that, yeah. <sighs> Well, I have four dogs in the house because my sister has her dogs oh, too. And um, oh wow, my my sister has my dog's mom dog. So the the mom dog and the dog, they every morning they get them have a little play session. Oh, yeah. And then uh, yeah, it can be. We're getting some... our second dog later this week. Uh, a little puppy, golden retriever. Oh, golden retriever. Oh, here's some advice I got that was very very good for that. that take take tons <laughs> of video. Yeah, when well, no worries with my wife, man. She she'll okay. take a hundred pictures of this exact same moment. I'm like, Jesus. Video. Yeah. I have so few videos, videos of pictures, my all that stuff. Golden retriever puppies. That was the really one of the greatest experiences of my life was to have those golden retriever puppies. That's the way to get a, a huge oh, YouTube channel is dog videos yeah. or Instagram. I always, always rescued dogs, but there's nothing like the dog you raise yourself. They just yeah. we do too, but our last two dogs are actually um from breeders. So we, we broke the system and went the yeah. wrong way. We have There's a so much Australian Shepherd and now we're gonna have a yellow I mean a golden retriever puppy. Oh I love sweet. golden retrievers, my golden retrievers. 
We're my husband yeah. turned me on to golden retrievers, which is another. He's he has his annoying qualities. Burping is not the least of them, but uh, he loves <laughs> goldens and he can grow. <laughs> yeah, that's most important. All right, we're going to wrap this up. Thank y'all so much for doing this with us. Uh, we gained way more out of this than you do. Um, we're still a little... <laughs> no, I knew it would be super fun. It's great. I it's fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Loved last time. Everybody loved it. I knew it would be super fun. You guys really have the feel for this. I love it. Thank oh, you very much. Yeah, episode thanks. 40 is a big deal for us. It's a milestone. So this is a great episode for it. Mm-hmm. Um, Congratulations. That's cool. Thank you very much. Um, Follow us on Instagram as well because uh, I convinced JP to get on there. He never wanted to get on there, and he's brand new to it. We needed some more followers. Uh, follow him at uh, TOTJP, at TOTJP. Yep, all you listeners. And uh, follow me at, at Real, R-E-A, E-Willy, Real E-Willy. Um, and we, we do Q&A live videos on Instagram with our listeners, which is like about 12 people at, t- at most that come on. We want to talk to more people. <laughs> yeah, we need more people to talk to. So come join us. We'll go live with you. We'll um, answer any questions you have. It's fun stuff. We don't share our Facebook, so our Facebooks are more private. But uh, Instagram is for the podcast. So sh- come follow us on there. Check out my podcast, No Limits with E. Willie, on Spotify and YouTube. And absolutely listen to the propaganda report what else do you guys want to plug just that's what we do we do propaganda report you can get that on any of your podcasting feeds we have a website thepropreport.com which has everything on it including a kind of continuous feed but what we do is this daily show which is the drive time news blast where it's the only place i know you can go to get all of the news of the day that peels away all the spin, all the mind control BS and also applies some libertarian principles, tells you what the truth is, tell you what the goal is. I think it's a great show and we did it because there's a need for it. And I've heard that if you just give it one listen, you are hooked. So Mm -hmm. that's the drive time news blast, but you can find it at propaganda report on your podcasting feeds. And if you subscribe to your to our show across all your favorite podcasting platforms that would be great for us to move up on the search engines well i thought we're both on twitter as well at monica perez show and i am at freedom act radio so you can right, find you us guys there have as a, well and you have a patreon how do you find it yeah patreon.com slash propaganda report where we have 15 extra minutes every day of that show Ooh. which is really great oh yeah we let our hair down at everything. minimum 15 that's at me, yeah i know it always goes over <laughs> yeah. but we also have we do this thing the disappearing patron party every twice a month we have a cocktail party on zoom or whatever it is Streamyard, and the thing is it gets a little cocktail-y. You get a little wild. It's so, fun. Yeah, that so we fun. never, <laughs> ever publish it. If you're not there live, mm-hmm. you got to wait for the next one. It is disappearing forever. Everyone brings their cocktails. It's, it is unique and super, super fun. And that, you know, that's the stuff that you have to pay for. But it's at really a lot of bang for the buck, I have to say. Yeah, yeah it sounds like it. That that's sounds awesome. like a really cool we'll thing. We'll invite you. You guys can come to one of the disappearing patron parties. I'll send you the link so you can sample it. <laughs> Hey, thanks. Awesome. I'll bring my Gotta cocktails. Gotta bring a cocktail, though. Yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> Whoa. Hey. I got that on the table right next to the camera. <laughs> I whatever. believe there's some other people in there as well that have that from reading have the, the whatever. The comments. <laughs> oh, yeah. Whatever is also Look welcome. at our studio. You can tell it's in here. <laughs> it probably reeks of it. Dinosaur. I was just thinking that. I was wondering. I bet the Smell it from here. <laughs> you smell a vision. All right, guys. Thanks again for doing this. We love you guys. And Brad, we want to get you on for a solo eventually too and get into those second set of six questions.
Yeah. All right. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thanks for having us. Perfect. Thanks, Thanks so guys. much, guys. Have See a good one. Time. You guys can find your drive time news blast every week afternoon at thepropreport.com, your favorite podcasting platform of the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want to access that extra content we post every time we post a DMB, you can go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and become a patron. We will talk to you guys tomorrow or in the patron 15. Yes. Yeah.